his butt is. <laughs> you just know that they washed it off of the inside of the tube carriage before thinking, maybe this might be oh, a big yeah. tourist ooh, thing. Ooh. I just, I mean, you know, uh, like, oh, oh, some someone has put up this Banksy-like graffiti. Let's ugh. get rid of it because it's vandalism. It's not like Banksy, an artist whose random uh, artworks popping up anywhere, uh, is creating stuff that is worth millions of pounds just by it's existing. It's only vandalism if you can't sell it. And there's massive tourism traps. <laughs> True, but come on, they could absolutely do something with it. They absolutely could. Like, you know that there'd be an upsurge in people using certain lines on the underground in London just so they could try and get into that carriage. I don't think there should be a sudden upsurge Which... of anyone using any lines on the London underground right now. That's very true, but hey, things will be fine because we're all definitely going to wear our masks, mm. aren't we, Matt? Yeah, until, Regular until listeners one of your podcast. mates gets spotted yeah. in Pret without his mask and then you turn around and go, oh, actually, no, you don't need to You don't need to wear one if you're ordering takeout food. Oh, Jesus, what? That's a thing? That's that... literally what happened. Michael Gove was spotted in Pret. Oh, my God. Not wearing a mask. Right. And then today... The government has turned around and go, oh, actually, yeah, you don't need to wear a mask if you're ordering takeout food. Oh, bullshit. 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 <laughs> bullshit. It's like, bullshit. What the fuck? Bullshit. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Like, you can't. Oh. It's, it's, it's beyond parody. This is, this is more crazy bullshit yeah. than anything it Armando Iannucci ever fucking did in oh, the thick of it. Uh, I was a, a podcast uh, a slash like news sort of group that I absolutely fucking adore. I love them and I recommend our listeners check them out. Uh, I've, I've mentioned them on the show a couple times before. Double Toasted. They are so funny. Oh, yeah. uh, um, Corey and, and Martin is sort of the most recurring like second seat on it. But they were talking about... Um, what do you call it? They were talking about the mask thing. Uh, oh, God, where, where is it coming from? There was a specific thing they said where i was just like good god that nails it on the head that's the nail on the head perfectly like you've absolutely summed it up and about that it'll, it'll come to me it'll come to hit me hit the nail right into the lid it hit so far in that it's pierced my brain and i've forgotten where that train was going <laughs> but what i have remembered is to say hi well, everybody welcome to the big damn cast oh. nerdy news geeky gossip um whatever shit's happening in the world right now because let's effing face it the world is screwed but do yourselves a favor wear a fucking mask for christ's wear a sake mask. please wear, a, wear mask. a mask for the 50th millionth time we're ever going to say it wear a fucking mask um because you can eat chocolate literally the it. least you can do you can eat chocolate underneath it and no one will judge you um mm. but i don't like it because it's just so smelling your breath brush your teeth put some chewing gum in like Guess what? That weird feeling of oh, oh, that's kind of odd. Disappears after the first minute. Put it on your damn yeah. face. Do you know what else it does? Protects people. Oh, st yeah. still too selfish. It protects you. So, uh, I am Chris. No one, no one cares about that. Well, I am. People are just happy they can go and sit inside a Costa now. Oh, jeez. I am Chris. Don't. I'm really not missing Costa that much, Johnson. And uh, I am bored. I'm so bored. <laughs> That's me. We got it changed by deep pole. Yeah, you know who I am. I am the terror that flaps in the night. Well, it's funny you should say that, Christopher. Oh, because we've got a new terror that flaps in the night. Oh, 
Well, actually, I don't think she's a terror, and I'm not sure she does much flapping. But um, remember when we said that they were going to recast Batwoman? Yeah, Ruby Rose, the title role, one series out, no definitive reason given other than she's moving on and everything's lovely and she said i'm moving on and everything's lovely and we all speculated "Mm, your back injury and the schedule commitments have probably pushed you to go in i don't want to do this anymore but it's hard (laughs) i mean maybe maybe who knows we who knows who bloody knows i'm not i'm not here to shit on on people for not wanting to do things that are difficult because that must have been a fucking difficult shoot. But the CW um, did say that... You back up. Like, yeah. to step away. That's fucking fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. But the CW said the show will go on and, in fact, during lockdown, we are actually casting the show right now. We are casting yeah. our new lead. Batwoman will continue. And... Batwoman, uh, a.k.a. Ryan Wilder. Yeah. Um, We now have a face for that name and it is the face of... Um, series regular from cbs god show god friended me uh look it up folks you won't be disappointed oh javicia leslie okay javicia so she's playing ryan what's her name what's the character's Wh- name? ryan wilder ryan wilder um yeah uh okay i've got to ask i've got to ask the 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 obvious questions here they said um when they were going to recast the part that because the character is lesbian, they were going to make a conceited, conceited, concerted, Conceit, well. Concert, well, I, I genuinely am tripping over words. They were going to make a specific effort to cast uh, an actor uh, who would represent the character's LGBTQ plus, um, like sort of figureheadedness, as it were. Yeah. And they weren't going to shy away from that. Do we, and it's such a weird thing to ask, but I'm mostly asking because I want to know if Warner Brothers followed up on this. Do we know what uh, our new lead's sexual orientation is? Do we have any idea? Uh, she's bisexual. Thank God. Um, Great. But shouldn't anyone uh, be able to play the part as acting? Yeah, but the point is this character is a gay icon and it's kind of cool that they have actually stuck by their guns and said we are going to cast a non well a non heterosexual actor for this part. She put out a, a statement saying I I um and other things. I'm extremely proud <laughs> to be the first black actress to play. She put out a statement saying um I, I am vengeance. I am the night. I am the I am the terror that flaps in the night. <laughs> I am extremely proud to be the first black actress to play the iconic role of Batwoman on television. And as a bisexual woman, I am honored to join this groundbreaking show, which has been such a trailblazer for the LGBTQ plus community. Is that the spin-off from community? It, it's the it's the it's the modern version. Okay. That all the fans, all the fans of the old one, are complaining about. All right. Um, this is good because Warner Brothers have actually stuck to what they said they were going to do here, and that's good. Yeah. They didn't just sort of go. Ah. Um, it's also yeah. interesting they've taken the opportunity to go. We could just recast the role of Kate Kane, but we're not going to. We're going to create a new character, which means that the series is obviously going to have to time jump or maybe get ruby rose back for a handover at the start of season two or whatever it is that they're gonna do i don't think they're gonna get ruby rose back (laughs) so will it be because the premise of batwoman at the start was bruce wayne has gone missing for a while and then batwoman sort of like fills the void left behind uh, since batman's disappearance 
Well, the character breakdown that they put out. Um, uh, Batwoman is missing, about... and the new Batwoman is going to fill in. You'd think that. <laughs> um, she's a she's a career criminal who ends up becoming Batwoman. Oh, that's different. So that's actually different. That is actually different. Is that a f- it's actually different. Is that a first for a Bat Family character? Uh, Jason Todd was um was a like a car thief. He stole like tires and stuff and, and wheels. <laughs> Batman found Batman found him. Uh, nicking tires from the Batmobile. Yep. In Crime Alley. Yep. And then he sent him to a school for boys, which turned out to be the front for an old woman who trained the boys to be criminals and thugs. I shit you not. It was a weird time. Man. And then Bat- Batman went, okay, now you're going to be my human target boy sidekick instead because I missed my previous boy. You'll be my new no. boy. Everything will be fine, boy. You won't get murdered. Oh, so. Right. But don't that, worry, you'll, you'll come you back after 25 boy. years because all comics come back to characters who are dead coming back from the dead eventually. Everybody comes back eventually. Because there is nothing new under the sun. I just like, just like poetry. It, it rhymes. That was a very sinister George Lucas. No, a very sinister George Lucas would be. Yeah, it's like poetry. It rhymes. If we get charge, all right, then. This will all come together, he says, sharpening a scalpel, which is like a scalpel, but posher sounding. Um, well, I yes. I wish luck to our new Batwoman overlords, and uh, yes. I hope I hope she's blessed with um a good show, uh that runs and serves to continue to be an example, and isn't like. The first series where I watched like two episodes and went, eh, this is a bit more. This is a bit too on. This is a bit too Gotham for me. I'm I'm fine, thanks, and I moved on. Mm. <laughs> I was like, that's a bit. Just it's just playing it a little bit too mm. weird, and I'm like, nah, just mm, nah. Oh, uh, that's been announced what, like, uh, since we last the, podcasted as oh, well. Yeah, the Gotham the, Central, the Batman spinoff show. Yeah, a spinoff show for a movie that's not out yet that will be a hit. Whether it'll be a critical hit, obviously. Depends on the film, but it will be a hit movie. Ah, uh, you got to use focus energy first. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Uh, you got to build and up. And if you're a far-fetched, you need to be holding a stick. Why are there two types of far-fetched in Pokemon Go at the moment? They're both the same, but one's got a longer leak and looks angrier. Ah, because in Sword and Shield, there's a Galarian form for far-fetched. Ah. Who is slightly different, and he's a fighting type, and he evolves into Surfetched. Oh, this hasn't got an evolve option yet, but it's definitely no. it's definitely out there. Um, no, uh, yeah, I've caught a few. It, it looks more annoyed, and he's got a big yeah. Leak. It is more annoyed, yeah, <laughs> um, because it's British. Oh, uh, well, there you go. And yeah, he evolves into Surfetched, which is white. Surfetched, and it has its its leak is so big, and it's got a leaf on it. So yeah. they've, they've cut the leaf off, and he's holding the leaf bit as a shield. Oh, the, the the massive leak is like a lance. Okay, so fetched. I've got one. They're really good. That's quite cool. Um, but they're a pitch to evolve. Well, as so fetched as it sounds, um, the Batman has had a spin-off announced. The the upcoming Matt Reeves directed movie starring Robert Pattinson as the Batman, and um, 
a spin-off series has been announced for HBO Max, so over here it'll probably end up on the likes of Netflix or, or Amazon or whoever bids on it, basically. And uh, that series is Gotham Central, um, based on... Is it actually called Gotham Central? That's that's the title they've announced it as, um, but mm. they haven't made a thing of saying, here it is and here's your cast, just this is a thing we're working on and it'll be tied into the Batman. So it could change titles, it could change directions between now and then, but two th- two things about this that come to mind immediately. One, this is the show I wanted when they announced Gotham. This is what I thought Gotham was going to be. If anyone's read I mean, the... It, it, it makes me think it's Gotham. It's Gotham. Well, I don't know, because it's set when Gotham Central was. If it, for those who don't know, Gotham Central was a book that I think Ed Brubaker wrote The Run. Is that right? Boss. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing you'd write. Yeah. He's a crime guy. He's Ed Brubaker. I've got it here. Where is it? Yeah, it's Brubaker. Um, it's pretty great. It's essentially the story of one of the police departments in Gotham City during the day-to-day kind of life of Batman. So you're in a town where, like, criminals have a very different psychology to what they do in real life, and you have people who push yeah. things too far who want to imitate who they believe to be their heroes. You have people doing incredibly desperate things in an attempt to survive because they're terrified that you know that if they do even one crime they're going to get beaten up by this this monster in a in a giant cloak with pointy ears and you know they want to save their family and <laughs> you deal with the, the residents of the um the, the employees of that particular police precinct and their effect they're like uh, the effect that they have on the gcpd as a whole uh, Renee Montoya, yeah. who's you know a beloved character from the animated series, about the animated series, and has been in various other adaptations. She's been the question. She's you know, she's in the Birds of Prey movie, played by uh, Rosie Perez. Like she, um, she is in it, and she's a main character in the book. And occasionally, supervillain stuff crosses into the book too. There's a particularly brilliant arc with Two Face in it, and there's an amazing issue with the Joker in it, um, where he just walks into the precinct and hands himself in. You're like. Right, what 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 the fuck is happening? <laughs> what, yeah, what, what the fuck is going on? And then as soon as he gets, it's in, the trick. As soon as he gets into the interrogation room, he's just like, yeah, I confess to everything. It is something, ha ha, blah 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 blah. And they're like, right, okay. And then they put him in a cell, and then he's finally like, okay, so why I'm here is, and I won't say anymore because it's worth the read, but it's pretty damn yeah. great. When they announced Gotham back in like 2011, 2012, I was like, oh my god, it's gonna be Gotham. Gotham Central. It's absolutely going to be. It's about the police. It's about Jim Gordon. Oh my god. Okay. Cool. And then it wasn't. It was Smallville for Batman with all the flaws. Um, Sounds right. Some of the wins, but all of the flaws. Some excellent casting. Some heavily miscast ideas. Just it's really not for me. Um, yeah. And then uh gotham wraps up and in its last episode chickens out and does a flash forward episode to like the time of batman and uh, bye this is gotham bye everybody bye 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 ah the bat time yeah so it's like you kind of had your chance to do gotham central so that's my first thought you kind of had your chance doing it now just feels like you're going oh i guess we'll do this because that one didn't become the pop culture phenomenon that we hoped it would be so we'll do this version. But the second thing that comes mm. to mind with this is, hi, DC, HBO, uh, maybe read the fucking room right now. <laughs> maybe read the fucking room before you commission your clearly high budget cop show right now. Motherfuckers, read <laughs> the fucking room. 
<laughs> oh my god, the 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 short sightedness of these motherfuckers yeah. is astounding, yeah. and it's almost like maybe they're hoping it'll all calm down a little bit and this and the other. But here's the thing: I love Batman. I wouldn't change the world of Batman for anything. I love the stories that could be told in there. I love that different voices tell different stories of that world. I yeah. think it's great. Gotham, uh, Gotham City Police Department is by and large a corrupt police outfit completely corrupt yeah. there are very few good officers in the gcpd who are actually looking out for the people that they are meant to protect and serve that's why gordon yeah. stands out that's why bullock stands out that's why montoya stands out um so if you're telling a story of gotham central you are either telling a story of corrupt cops who are doing horrible things to the people they're meant to protect, which I'm not sure people want to see right now, or you're telling a story Mm-mm. about the only good cops in the police department, which just further highlights the corruption, which people don't want to see right now. Ooh. So, fuck this. Like, read the room, come back in my Ooh. two or three years' time, see where we are culturally and where we are with the police funding in America and everything see where that is in a few years time and then decide if this is if it's appropriate because even right that seems because even comedies like brooklyn 99 right now are going maybe the show gets recast and recontextualized as like a firefighter show because we want to keep making it but we don't want the glorified police right now yeah it's like how do you how do you even tell this story right in this in this world in which we live in yeah makes you give it a cry so live and let die. Da, da, da. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just I don't know. I, ugh, 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 is what I'm saying at that. Yeah. Let's stick to. Let's just stick as far as DC shows go. Let's just stick to all the fine programming that's made on the definitely not going anywhere DC Universe app because it's definitely not oh, going yeah. anywhere, guys. Definitely um, not. And let's stick to the fine work of the the fun campy. It's definitely not sl- coming to the UK for one thing. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the fun, campy, <laughs> slightly kitsch, mostly harmless CW shows, which also have actors amongst the casts that people have been pointing out have been horribly racist to other cast members behind the scenes. And awesome. Uh, well, one guy was fired, wasn't he? From was it Supergirl? The Flash. One guy's been fired from Flash. Uh, uh, who someone who joins it. Flash? Someone who joins it later on. I think it's Flash. But someone who joined I'm the show later on. The Flash. And um, Danielle. Panabaker, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Killer Frost. There, yeah. there have been stories of her for years being fucking horrible to the lady who plays Iris, and Ugh. like, not not necessarily to her face, but there's this whole weird shipping war between fan bases for this show, where a lot of people believe that Barry and uh, Caitlin should be a thing, and make a lot of oh, and yeah. make a lot of anti-Iris fan art and stuff and danielle panabaker apparently likes and encourages a lot of it and you're like oh because that should totally that should people should totally engage with that people who work on the show should totally engage with that bullshit Mm. i hate shipping i hate it i know i hate it so much things suck but 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 it is important to remember that you can tell wonderful because you just know there are going to be people listening to this going oh marvel shills you can tell wonderful amazing things with dc properties now ain't the time for gotham central it really fucking isn't it, it, read the room, please. Don't do it. Don't do it. Focus on put, DC. Focus all your time and money on this upcoming Tyler Hecklin starring um, Lois and Superman show. 
Superman was it the Superman and Lois Lane? Put you put your money and effort into that, please. And give us a really hopeful, inspiring, cool show with like the best couple in all of comic books. Just put put some time and effort into that. Just do that. The only way the Gotham Central announcement could be more tone deaf was if they were getting Josh Whedon to work on oh. it. <laughs> oh god. Oh no no. They, Have you they, heard? They, um... they won't be doing that because like that 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 attack technique that seems to be happening right now. That attack campaign from like Ray Fisher and stuff ain't letting up. Nope. It ain't letting I up, and a, it's so um... unusual because it's like, surely all of these people are going to be involved in the promotion of Zack Snyder's Justice League for HBO Max. What mm. a weird move to be basing your like kind of enthusiasm around the project. I mean, on the tearing down uh... of the other guy. That's not to say Joss Whedon isn't a shitty guy because he is, but like, what a weird choice. Do you know what I mean? There was a story that came out from a pair of stunt performers who worked on on Buffy. He said he was a he just turned into an egomaniac. Fudge like, throughout the show. Uh James Marsden was on uh Michael Rosenbaum's podcast and recounted a story of when Spike was getting popular. Oh James James Marsden. Once... James Marsden. Yeah, I was like, did he work with James Marsden? Um <laughs> I mean Everyone um, should work with James Marsden at some point. The guy's a goddamn yeah, he, was, he was on James Masters was on uh Michael Rosenbaum's podcast talking mm-hmm. about how when uh, another, again, another DC alumni, shippers. former Lex Luthor himself, Michael Rosenbaum, yeah, yeah. fucking shippers uh, started shipping Spike and Buffy. Apparently, just pinned him up against a wall behind the scenes and was like, "I don't give a fuck how popular you are. You're dead. You're dead." Wow. And was like really aggressive towards him, almost pleasant towards him. Wow. Because he didn't understand why Spike was such a popular character. Wow. Um. Wow. So what the fuck? Yeah. I can't imagine anyone pinning James Masters up against the wall, but hey. I mean he I can't, I can't imagine Schlubby Joss Whedon pinning up against the wall, but hey, what do I know? I mean to be fair, James know? Masters has given off some creepy vibes before as well, so You reckon? Yeah. Oh. Oh I, I don't know. I I have I haven't seen a lot of behind the scenes stuff, so when you get the chance uh and want to feel a little creeped out Look up the whole oh, thing. Always. He wrote a song about Michelle Trachtenberg that he apparently Ooh. wrote while they were working together and she was super young. Oh. Oh, no! Yeah. Because James, Ma- no. James Masters is like, you know, he's an attractive guy and Spike is an incredibly compelling character. Um, He also was like the second eldest of the regular cast. Yeah, at, yeah. Uh, behind Anthony Head. And, um... When you realize that, and you can sort of separate the whole like affection you have for the interactions of characters like Spike and Dawn, and you think of them as age of this this man playing this part and age of this girl playing this part, yeah, that's creepy, James. Why? Did, mm, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. she is super young. Yeah. Um. It's not as creepy. I have to. I have to not delve so much into Buffy stuff to keep my no, sanity. No, the more the more I look into the behind the scenes, the more I'm just like, oh man, Joss Whedon was. This wasn't good. This Joss Whedon was bad. Everyone else was bad. This whole thing was bad. Except Anthony Stewart Head, and Sarah Michelle Gellar, and 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 uh, and Alison Hannigan, and uh, David Boreanaz. Is a treasure and countless others. Emma Caulfield, Amber Benson, you know Seth Green, loads of lovely people. Nick Brendan's had his spells, but he seems to have come to terms with it all in recent years. I think he's had some uh, 
demons in the form of bottles. Yeah. Many, many bottles. Yeah. Alternate universe where the MCU never happens, but Nicholas Brendan plays Tony Stark in a CW-style Marvel show in the mid the late 2000s. Oh, I'm not there for it. I'm not there for it. I'm not there for it, but I would like to at least get a bootleg sort of VHS of the first four episodes in a brown paper bag from an alternate dimension, just so I could be like, I wonder what this looks like. It'd look like the fucking Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. How dare you insult That's what it that work like. of art. <laughs> oh yeah, that work of art. I'm only saying that because I want to try and I want to try and tempt those like five listeners who've just heard you say that and gone, wait, what? Oh There's yeah. a David Hasselhoff Nick Fury There's a David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. There's a David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. While you're at it, look up Daredevil and Thor's appearances in the Incredible Hulk TV show. Do you remember? Do you remember? Because because Daredevil's in the Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which also because Matt Murdock's in it, and Daredevil makes an appearance in his sort of man without fear kind of look. So basically, if you yeah, guys are yeah. used to how Daredevil looked for most of season one of Netflix, that's pretty much yeah. how he looks in the Incredible Hulk. Um, well, to be fair, most of season season three of <laughs> yeah Daredevil as well. But do you remember who is on trial in the Trial of the Incredible Hulk? What criminal is on trial? Like I don't know if you've seen. Also, oh, it's, it's not. I, I, I. It's been years since I've seen any live action Hulk. Kingpin. No shit. And you know who plays him? And it's kind of great casting. Wilfred Brimley. No. <laughs> Wilson Diabetes. Diabetes Fisk. No. Um. Orson Welles. No, Jonathan Rhys Davies. Ah! Is is Kingpin ah! in Charlie Crow the Hulk? Fantastic! There's some, there's some gems back there. This, guys, live-action Marvel, like, over the years, has been pretty interesting. Look up both previous um, and fucking awful attempts at Captain America f- movie franchises. Uh... They're both bad. There's, there's one in the 70s and one in the 90s with a sequel, and they're both really bad, but fascinating. The 90s one didn't get a sequel, did it? The 90s one had a sequel, yeah. The Matt Salinger one? No, it was the seventies. No, my mistake. The seventies one got a sequel because the seventies one is where oh, his right. costumes are mo- like it's like a motorcycle helmet and he rides a motorcycle. And he's like the transparent shield. Yeah, that's the seventies one. The the nineties yeah. one because the nineties one's got the. I've never seen that one. I've seen the nineties. The nineties one. one's got the Italian red skull, doesn't it? It's the Italian red skull, yeah. and he's got the ears. <laughs> the ears molded on the onto the outside of his hood. They're rubber ears. The, the Captain America costume. His, his ears are on the outside of his hood. Oh my god! Molded on. It's the, it's the, they couldn't it's, be. It's the, they were too cheap to make a hood with a mask with hole, with holes in it for his ears. It's the one where there's two scenes where he steals a car from somebody by pretending to be sick. Getting out yeah. to be sick and as the driver gets out to comfort him, he steals the car and you're like, this is the Captain America movie? This is, this is Captain America. The fuck? I mean, it's America in the 90s, so probably. Look up the Doctor Strange TV movie from the 70s as well. Holy shit. Or um, the the Jeffrey Combs starring this is not Doctor Strange honest film that Charles uh, was it Full Moon did? What's it called um, now? It sounds like a Full Moon sort of release. I know which one you're talking about, but I can't remember for the life of me what it's called. Uh, I can't remember what it's called because '70s Doctor Strange was a TV it film and it, it, he's got awesome. a big old pontash and it's oh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> it's not why good. aren't these on Disney Plus? That's what I want to know. Oh, if you want to go, where's if you go the Corman Fantastic Four? Where's the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man live-action TV series and yes. movie? Yes, the first theatrically yes. released Spider-Man movie. Where is it? I'm Spider-Man sure and I've the Dragon's Challenge. 
Oh god. <laughs> Where's Japanese Spider-Man <gasps> on Disney Plus? Um, where the fuck is Japanese Spider-Man on Disney Plus? I would watch it. Well, I'll tell you where it is. Not allowed on it because he's constantly talking about being the emissary of death. <laughs> like that's his catchphrase. He is the emissary of death. Oh dear. Spider-Man, well, the emissary of death. I'm Spider-Man, the emissary of death, as he calls his I giant I did watch some Disney robot. Plus this weekend, though. You watched some Disney Plus? Yeah, because I finally got around to watching Hamilton. Hey, uh, Alexander Hamilton. Or as I've been calling him, Alexander Cameltoe. And I know what the fuss is all about now. Ladies and gentlemen, what follows is at least 10 minutes of two musical theatre nerds spunking onto their microphones. So, um... Well, I will say one thing. Go on, one thing. Lin-Manuel Miranda. That was your thing. You said it, you had your Lin time. Lin-Manuel Miranda should not be playing Alexander Hamilton. I get that he wrote it, and I get that he's brilliant and everything, but he's the weakest singer in the cast, and it shows. I think, do you know what? I can't disagree, but at the yeah, same... Yeah, I know you can, because but, I'm right. But at the same time, like, having, having, having watched it now and listened to the album and stuff, like, the album is always the best vocal take that everyone's ever oh, yeah, cause do. Because they, they do it in the studio. Yeah. They don't do it on stage. Um, so they don't. And he, if you listen to the soundtrack, like, he, he, there's no weak link in the soundtrack as a, as a listen. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone brings yeah, it. Yeah. He's on par. But I know what you mean. There's, there's, I think, for me, what, what makes me kind of feel the same as you is because he's kind of, and this isn't obviously saying the others aren't, but he's kind of acting it more and as a result, um, the vocal powerhouseness of everyone else is completely overshadowing him. And there are powerhouses. Oh my let god! Me up, let uh, me look up the Leslie Odom Jr. It's awesome. Holy oh god! Yeah, shit! Bert. Woo! Oh my god! So again, we talked about this again last week, really briefly. Uh, Hamilton is a musical about one of the founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton of America, uh, and essentially about his rather bizarrely. Um, sort of pre predestined path in life um yeah him becoming the guy who essentially starts american finance as it as it is now uh the guy who tried to challenge certain civil rights things in the early days of the declaration of independence and not quite getting there but kicking up enough of a stink it also talks about his um kind of rise to power and then desire to still do more and make his place and it corrupting every decision he makes he's famous for basically being the first ever politician to be embroiled in a sex scandal um which he exposes himself to protect his to protect his career and doesn't for a second think about how that's going to affect his life his wife his like children's legacy dumbfounded as well jefferson and his ganga but the fact that he just goes but they try to blackmail him he just goes well i guess i better get, i guess i better put it out there yeah well, yeah because <laughs> he fucking releases it because he because he goes was it he goes basically like right so, so you come to blackmail me because you you notice that i've been funneling money to somewhere like anonymous mm. so what you're saying is you think i'm using like you know um government money to I'm do this i'm yeah. embezzling Right, so if I provide to you proof of what that the money is mine and where it's going, you can't like follow this up. And they're like, "No, I guess we can't." He's like, "Right, here's the list. Here's the receipts. Here's the thesis. <laughs> here's the literal receipts." Yeah, I had an affair. I had an affair years ago. 
here's the money I had to pay. Basically, it was blackmail to the husband of the woman I slept with. And yeah. here's proof that it was my money, not the government. Are you happy? Are they kind of are they kind of ambiguous on whether that was a setup or not? What them um them uh confronting him about it? No, or... the if the woman who had the affair with. Oh no no no! It's uh, um it's because after after watching this, I immediately started like watching a bunch of interviews with Lim Manuel Miranda about like because it's fucking wh- fascinating where he picked and chose stuff from and why he chose certain things and why he didn't choose others. Because because yeah. again, it's what we talked about last week. A lot of people put weird pressures on this show of being like. Well, it has to be completely accurate because it's about a real person. It's like, yeah, but it's also musical theatre and it's it's telling a story based on, tr- and it's based on true events. It's as well. There's yeah. no dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like, it's completely so. It's based on true events, but it's not... You're not supposed to be showing this in a history class, put it that way. Like, that's not how this works. Yeah. This is meant to be something that if you're a history buff, you watch it and go, oh, wow, they actually mentioned that or they touched on this or they did that. Um, but yeah, no... Uh, uh, it, it's alleged that no, that wasn't the case. It wasn't a setup. But um, when he like sort of called it a day, uh, the lady in question was so passionately in love with him, she kept pursuing like a relationship, and he basically just had to tell her to piss off, or he was gonna like get mm. them get them framed for a crime or something, just so she'd be put away. So it's like, oh, so really like the. That the the two scumbags in the scenario were outright him for having the affair in the first place, and the woman's husband for turning it into extortion. Like I'm making a thing of it and being, oh, you can still sleep with my wife. I don't give a shit. But <laughs> but every time you do, you've got to pay me a little bit more. Uh, it's like, oh, good god. Um. So yeah, there's there's so many things that they don't like go into but it's just like what the fuck on the hamilton mixtape which is like a release uh, of covers and samples and a few demos yeah they have for example on there um the the congressional uh rap battles there's two of them in the show and they have um the both between uh J- thomas jefferson and alexander hamilton yeah the two senate the two senate um hearings yeah which is basically, basically. Uh, which is basically just an excuse for you know Lin Manuel, who can who can write them. these things really well, and David Diggs, who can spit fire like it was breathing, like just do, do basically doing politics dialogue and it being fascinating. Um, it's just it's it it's um <laughs> I think what I said about it when we were watching it was that it was amazing to see something that was so vital and had so much energy, mm. especially because especially in this country, oh yeah, so much musical theatre. So much white musical theatre. Yeah. It's just fucking white people going, as a person who likes musical theatre, but like compare this to like anything Andrew Lloyd Webber has ever written. Shit's all over. And it just makes all that shit feel like a dirge. You know what I mean? It shits over it because it sort of goes, Oh, you still doing that? Cool. What about yeah, this now? It, um, but but that's the, the third congressional, um, uh, the third rap battle on on uh, the demo is on the mixtape, and that's that's okay. one. That's it, a whole angle that they only suggest a few times in the musical, relating back to last week's uh, discussion. That one is yeah. all about them challenging slave trade and and the usage of slaves, and and you can see that. But the basic message at the end of it is like Washington steps in is like look. You're not going to change minds on all of this right now. This is like you are you are laying down an idea 
that the future is going to grab and run with and make work. And I think they could it yeah. because it's sort of it's like the only number out of the ones that are in it and then this one where like it's kind of saying hey audience why is racism still a fucking problem mm. do you know what i mean and i think it's, it's the one number where they sort of were like we can't like just bollock the audience here but we still need to raise the issue of you know um racial inequality so that's why in the show there's a lot of touches on it and 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 stuff you know like uh, and they make a real focus on, i'm trying to remember the trying to remember the character's name now uh the first of the the first of like the the group to die and he dies after their victory in a battle like he gets killed on the way home uh, um, um uh, john lawrence john lawrence yeah uh john lawrence was fighting specifically to try and um grow uh the presence of black uh americans and african americans and whatnot yeah because he, he, he sings about what have, wanting to have the first all black regiment yeah and and then you sort of see that like any escalation toward that goal is sort of cut short when he is killed out of battle after the victory and no one sort of picks it up like like hamilton says that he's going to pick that up pick up that baton but he doesn't because yeah. his focus goes elsewhere and in real life yeah. even though he was very he was very anti-slave he was hypocritical as fuck because in real life as soon as he married into the skylar family he had black slaves yeah so but again like we talked about last week that's one of the prominent reasons why they cast the show uh the leads in particular um except save for one where it kind of is, is there for a visual point um the leads are all cast with non-white actors non-white performers yeah. because they're sort of doing this this kind of take back of right well they didn't do enough so we're going to give opportunities to american non-white americans and and like you know obviously we'll never equal we'll never equal and this isn't going to somehow remove everything that happened but we can at least turn it into an opportunity yeah. um but of course like the one prominent i'm gonna we're gonna talk about him now the one prominently uh white role the only role where they go oh we cast that part white so far at least to kind of make that point of like the old old way and this that and the other yeah. is king george the third who in this performance yeah. is played by jonathan groff um yep fucking hell how good is that first i mean obviously it's the the same number he's the only role in the show where the actor is in it for about nine minutes total and it's 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 a number uh a new song that is essentially a reprise and then a third kind of like stab at it where the character then remains on stage for a little bit sort of oversee things and just sort of visually be part of the scene but um fucking hell like again like you said before there's no talking it's all singing there's little bits of dialogue sometimes in the song but it's part of a melody or a bridge um did um, whereas all he does is sing and he's terrifying like he's a psycho where uh (laughs) the idea for that song came from no go on it was when lin manuel miranda was working on um (laughs) in the heights uh house house oh what? Because he was in House. Um, oh, right. Okay. And he was, uh, you know, having a, he was having a drink with um, with Hugh Laurie. And... Um, oh, my God. Talk, I'm starting about, to put it together. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was talking about um, how he was he had this idea for a, a song, a sort of, t- a sort of song about 
King George, um, with King George singing to America during during the Revolution, and uh, <laughs> Hugh Laurie just was like, ah. Uh, You'll be back. <laughs> and so that that line is Hugh Laurie's sort of um, expression of King George to the Americas. That that is a fucking genius, like seed planted. And of course, like Hugh Laurie would know all about playing um, Mad Monarchs. Um, yep. So <laughs> that works out quite nicely. Yeah. Oh my very god. Very good. Very good. It's a um, great. It's a great number. And again, it's it's brilliant. Like. They're having the revolution, so the song is it's the first it's the first non contemporary track in the show as well. Like up to that yeah, point, it's 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 very it's much the most like a musical theatre track. Yeah, like and, a tradi- quote unquote traditional musical theatre. And, and more of those come in after that point, but it it's it's the first to, to do that, and it's it's consciously to break the mold of what you've been watching but for the last twenty minutes. They've always got, I think, apart from that song, they've always got that sort of undertone of. Um, a more modern pop. Oh, the slash R and B. The inspirations are like eighties, nineties, and two thousands hip hop and R and B. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's all there. And but, but like that's the first one where you just suddenly it's like an early sixties kind of like the uh the one that comes to mind. There's uh it's a a monkey's track. Um, you know. Oh, I could lie neath the winds of the bluebird oh, okay. as she sang. Like, think of the rhythm of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll be back <laughs> soon. You'll see. Just remember, yes. and it's like, but but it's done on purpose. So you just sort of go, what the fuck? Like, it sounds completely different. Like, it doesn't quite belong. It's older than the rest of it. And is like set in its way, and the rest of it started to move on and sound different. And it's like, God, that's fucking great. This, I, I don't think I've ever enjoyed the use of motif as much as I ever have done in this show. I think I said to you on the stream of the night when you said you watched it. I it's, said it's motif porn. Well, that's why it's <laughs> it's so difficult for me to like pick out individual numbers because it all just sort of blends together. Yeah. So seamlessly with themes reprising in other songs look around so look just... around helpless satisfied there's a few that like are, are seeded throughout the whole thing my shot mm. like there's so many that sort of pop yeah. back up in in the melody and and recur um and and it's completely again it's done on purpose it's to see the emotional story of it all and it, oh my god but just so i oh, just again things things that stand out um philippa sue plays eliza yeah. Skyler. Yeah. Fucking hell. Again, not saying yeah. too much of the story because everyone's like, we've told it now. It's like, no, there's there is a lot more. It's nearly three hours of your time, guys. Um yeah. her number in Act Two breaks my fucking heart. Like her big her on her own, mm. the one called Burn. And it's like yeah, on her Oh own. my god. No, we know what I mean. Like, it's the first one where it's just like, yeah, no, no yeah. other bug is there. I get, yeah. It's one of the very few moments in the show where it is one performer on stage. I get um, you. And you just know it's the one where the rest of the cast are like, breather, breather, glass of water, give it a minute. Oh, shit. Can I go out the back door? So have How long have I got for a cigarette? Let's go. Come on. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Ah! I'm back out. Because that ensemble never stop. Jesus Christ, that ensemble never no. stop. It's very, very physical. The choreography's nuts. 
it's and it's very impressive. Oh my god! Right, the choreography during Helpless, the big the big first kind of like romantic y song in Act One. Yeah, and then one song later is Satisfied, which recounts the events of that night, and the choreography yes. plays in reverse and then goes back. But because of the revolve, some of it's happening in a different place where it was, but they're all in the same spot. They're all doing exactly what yeah. they were doing. Sometimes it slows to a crawl. It's like, how the hell? And the use of the revolve was in- incredible in general. Mm. Like the way that it used again, it to help it, give it, motion. It's a super a minimal of... set. So like they have to find a way yeah. to, to, to give that, like you say, sense of motion. Um, yeah. Oh my days! Just little things like when Hamilton goes to speak to Burr when he wants him to help defend the 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 changes to the you know the Constitution and Congress. Yes. And yeah. suddenly you're like, wait, is that a fucking porch? And you're like, no, it's not. But just it's one backlight behind the set, behind the yeah. behind the bracket of the stairs, and one little lamp above the stairs that's been there the whole time. We've never noticed it. And suddenly I'm like, that's a porch. He's talking to him on a porch. Yes. Yeah. What the fuck? Um. Uh, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. to me is is the MVP of the show. Um, Burr is sort of the narrator, kind of. Like he, he... yeah, he's he's, a, he's uh, I would probably say he's uh, as much of the protagonist as Alexander Hamilton is. And they make no, they make no uh, uh, attempt to hide the idea that like, and and this was the this was the reason why he wanted to tell the story Lin Manuel Miranda in the first place is because he noticed that these yeah. these two men their career and and occasional friendships were intertwined so much throughout their life at these specific points uh there was one there was one thing he read where he described it as a uh what's, what's the strand of dna called what's 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 that thingy where it's helix a double helix where, the, where yeah. they describe it he said that their relationship like we chart it it's like a helix because it's just sort of they go their own way and then boom they bump into each other and then they separate away and then they boom and it just keeps going like that um until of course one very fateful occurrence uh that the show states at the beginning like if you know nothing about their history you know exactly where it's going to go in the first number yeah and that sort of i think that's done intentionally because there's that little bit where they first meet with washington and there's a whole like, have you met our own Burr? And he says yes. Oh, and they they, they both go, we keep meeting, and then they keep moving on. And and do you, if you did not know what the end of their story is before that point, that would just yeah. be like a oh yeah they do. But because they set up at the beginning that I will say it, it's in the first number. I'm the damn fool who shot him. The fact that they say that when they first meet Washington, you sort of like oh actually this is eerie. Yeah they do, they do get their paths do keep crossing. Fuck, yeah. right to the point where they're both a second in a in a duel to for, for someone's honor and they talk about how they think this whole thing's fucking ridiculous but hamilton makes the point mm-hmm. of like but your man's got to answer for his words burr and you sort of see that thing of yeah they both think this is ridiculous and unnecessary but alexander's still sort of like but we kind of have to do it it's like fuck he's absolutely going to agree to this sort of thing in the future and yeah the use of that, the use of the, the 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 conditions of a duel, that when that recurs twice after that initial one, yeah, Jesus Christ, uh, and we haven't we haven't even touched on the room where it happened it's yet. It's just seeding. It's just seeding. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but also that's I think it does a really good job of sort of like making clear how sort of quid pro quo 
because this is essentially mod- the birth of modern politics. Mm. How quid pro quo modern politics is by the compromises that Hamilton has to make and the and the things he believes in that he has to sacrifice sticking up for yeah. in order to actually get anything done. Yeah. So I think it's um I think it does a good job of sort of making that clear. Um, the way that that you have you have um career politicians as well like Burr is a career politician. Yeah. Like he gets to the point. Well, I think we starts out saying like all. we nobody he starts out saying like don't don't you know was it talk less smile more and he's saying like don't don't let yeah. the lyric is um don't let them know what you're against or what you're for because he's saying like fools who run their mouth off wind up dead fools who run their mouth off wind up dead and then throughout the story his political either allegiances or direction changes whenever he feels that he can move closer to the to the top or, or to a better position and it becomes that thing of do you really want to affect change and that's why you're climbing the ladder this way or do yeah. you just want to be successful now? Like, what? What's the? Where's the difference? And and it's sort of over the course of the story, they both kind of get to that point where they're just more fussed about what other people think of them than doing the job. By the end, like it's absolutely a case of them just wanting to be like, I don't want my legacy ruined, or I want people to yeah. see me more than this. And and those two tensions just parallel and bubble up, leading to like you know that fateful face off on on um in jersey <laughs> everything's legal in jersey um <laughs> uh the lighter fluffier stuff is fucking wonderful as well like like the love yeah. ballads like helpless the the mini reprieve where we we sort of first see his son philip being portrayed at age nine like and, and th- their way of showing that he's becoming an academic is he writes his own little rap and <laughs> yeah that's quite good just like this is lovely i hope nothing horrible happens to these people um (laughs) uh i mean the your central your central group of four that you you sort of the the hamilton's part of like friends that go on through the story are great and then what's wonderful is they all three of the other characters double up so they play a different person in act two um so yeah. it still kind of feels like you it's a nice sort of thing because there's obviously a big kind of time shift of at least 10 years between act one and act yeah. two but you still kind of feel like you're with the same people because they physically are still the same people on stage even if they're playing different mm. folks but it gives an opportunity for an actor like you said Duffy Diggs to go from being Lafayette yeah. to a fucking brilliant Thomas Jefferson amazing Thomas Jefferson <laughs> so good yeah, just that like proper kind of like really smooth like um you know blues pop kind of return at the top of Act Two, and it's just like oh my god, yeah, just it's... that rolling piano, just like what did I miss and all that stuff. It's like yeah, he's oh god, it's so weird, and I kind of like yeah the double no go ahead. the sort of trio of actors that double cast yeah from Act One to Act Two really get to show their range. As performers, I think those are great parts for, um, yeah, for actors who want to be able to show off a bit about what they can do. Well, especially, you know, the Hercules Mulligan in Act One, loud, abrasive, shouting, like really thinking. And then the character is an actor is just mm-hmm. true, <laughs> just yes. like really quiet um, and very to the point where to the point where I didn't, I didn't realize at first until <laughs> about five minutes, oh. five or ten minutes into Act Two, I was like, shit, it is the same guy because <laughs> it was just. I apologize. 
I apologize if I get this name wrong, but it's um, uh, Okerieti Onawadawan is the actor who plays Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's different, completely different person yeah. in the second act. <laughs> like, not just vocally in terms of the way the part's written, but also phys- his physicality is night and fucking day. Yeah, he's, Incredible. he's an ex- Incredible. explosive kind of character in act one, then act two just completely sort of subdued, very proper, stood up a certain way, like, quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's even a bit where Jefferson, like, hands him hands him to answer a question in the rap battle of the second one and he just sort of like responds with one word very quietly <laughs> he's just like yep <laughs> okay um yeah did you because you obviously watching on disney plus they left in one f-bomb but it's one that is is it's not said to the k if that makes any sense and it it's it no it's very cleverly it's um, a ri- it's a rhyme in the song in the so rhyme, they leave yeah. it in the, the rhyme finishes the words so they don't yeah there is, there's got to be F-bombs There's, There's two Disney others. Uh, in, in Hamilton itself, there are two others, but they are censored. Um, they were told they were allowed to keep one, and the one they chose to keep was the whole reading the letter there. Oh, fuck. Oh, so it, had to, it, it, had to be, yeah. it had to be PG-13. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, which is fair enough, because like that one's, like you said, it, it ends the rhyme of that it's verse. It's clever. It, it's, a, it's a clever... There's Use. there's one that's always censored, which I had to check up afterwards. Which is the uh, when he when he writes in passing, he writes a letter to John Adams and he calls him, uh, "Sit down, John, you fat mother." And there's that massive beep. Yeah. That is like that in the show. So because I, I on the soundtrack oh, okay. that's the same. Um, and I I started digging through some older stuff, and they uh, like they they were huge on Vine and Snapchat when the show was uh starting on Broadway because a lot of the cast were just like sharing weird little videos from from backstage uh and in one of them because people were curious like they'd be asking like lin-manuel miranda is there a recording without the beep for that bit and he plays it and in the recording what he actually says is sit down john you fat motherfuck stick it's just a weird little <laughs> did he do that because he knew it was going to be beep he knew they were going to beep it so he was just like, i would say fuck stick instead like why not probably no, why the hell not <laughs> um do you know much about how they shot this yeah, it was a three-day shoot. Uh, they shot. Yes. It was like they shot the. Um, I can't. I don't know which days exactly, but it was something like they shot the Saturday uh, evening performance, something like that. Then they. Uh, they shot the matinee on the twenty-sixth of June, twenty sixteen. Okay. They shot the evening show on the twenty-eighth. Okay, so there's a couple of days between. And yeah in between then on they did a third one without an audience yeah on their day off they did a third one that was the one yeah. that they did for the close-ups and and specific yeah, a lot of inserts on that. and then they put cameras in oh yeah yeah and then, then the 28th was the third one they shot it again just to make yeah. sure they had every bit of coverage um, but the fact that it is <clears throat> fucking seamless oh yeah oh yeah it's incredible yeah phenomenal and it's isn't it weird to think that like basically one day four years ago they sacrificed their day off yeah to film it all any of them really will have seen of it is like the occasional bit used for promotional use since then because clips yeah. from this version have been out before yeah. they've just been part of promotional yeah. stuff trailers and whatnot um and it wasn't going to see the light of day till next year when it was going to get a limited theatrical run well um uh thomas kale who who uh, directed the 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 shooting of this version 
uh, says he shot it in three days, but he made it over the last three years. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So like, it so much <clears throat> of it was done. Yeah, in the edit, and like, is that music on your that? end? <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking ad. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> fucking. Betfred ad. Today's episode is sponsored by Something. Betfred. Betfred, don't yeah. use them. Gambling's fucking toxic. Awesome shit. Um, um, but yeah, it's it, it, uh, six cameras mm. um, with different operators for the Sunday recording. And then three fixed cameras. And then getting all those positions. Yeah. Uh, and then change the positions on for the Tuesday performance for those fixed cameras. Mm. And just moving stuff around so... You're getting as many angles as possible. Um, the edit takes the and choreography and the staging into account in a way where... Yes. Like, we yeah. talked earlier this year about how, like, the Cats movie had brand new... For the first time ever, Cats had brand new choreography specifically for the film version. Not that you know, because... But not that you knows know. What yeah, because the, the close-ups and the cuts and the edits did not serve the choreography well at all. And yet with this It didn't serve anything well. With this they've gone, no, we want you to we want you to see what it would would have as close as possible to what it would have been like seeing the original run on Broadway. Yeah. Like here it is. And it's I mean, aside from finally just getting to see Hamilton and enjoy it in context, I hope this leads to a bunch of other productions, at least sort of at their inception. Do you know what I mean? Like sort of the original runs to go Let's let's make it available. Let's make the original run available at some it's point. Got to be expensive though. Oh yeah, to do. No, true. But I think there are certain shows. I mean, like you know, Spielberg's West Side Story is still scheduled to come out in December. Uh, and it's like, I just don't. Care. I don't care. But you know what I mean. But if you told me that you'd like filmed like the most recent like big production of it on Broadway or the West End, and you're gonna li- run it for a limited like couple weekend run in cinemas, whatever, go sure yeah. yeah absolutely let's see that you know like the rsc does it here in the uk and, and around europe a lot the royal shakespeare company like sometimes live broadcasts sometimes it's national a pre-recorded theater, one it? national does it uh as as we've now seen obviously during lockdown a lot of these theaters have been putting the shows up for free with or with donation links or behind small paywalls online so that people can you know like and they really should have been doing it behind paywalls the whole time. Let's be brutally honest. They really should have been going, yeah. Pay five quid and you can watch five shows that we put out over the next few weeks, and that five quid's going to help. Maybe we theaters. can make the tickets a little bit cheaper while we're doing it. Yeah, maybe. But do you know what I mean? It's like, Fucking... like, because I'll, I'll be honest now, I, I completely see the value in sort of shattering the theatrical experience a little in this way. Because I think it hooks more people in. I think after there are going to be folks who watch this on Disney Plus. It just makes it more accessible, and like yeah. live theater is so inaccessible for so many people. But you know there'll be folks who watch this version who then just go right the moment that it's safe to go back and the theaters are opening. I'm going to go see anything. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to go yeah. see something. I want to go see a show. Like this, this yeah. has given me that that kick to want to go and do it. <clears throat> and um, you know. Fingers crossed that this this, and I think I because I, I don't think it's necessarily necessary. I mean, money of course is involved, but I don't think it's necessarily money that made the decision to bring Hamilton forward to now. Um, overall, no, I, no. at least in terms of like the people who, because Disney got the Disney got the the rights to distribute 
this cut. They didn't own it. They didn't pay for it. They got the rights to it. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, Lim Manuel Miranda and the director and every, anybody else who's involved in the creative process of the taping of this one could have, I'm sure, gone like, you know, no, 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 let's keep it to next year. Let's keep it to next year. We want to make it an event. We want to make it an event. Here's our argument as to why we should make it an event when people go to cinemas and this, that, and the other. But you get mm-hmm. the sense that, that they, like a lot of artists at this point, you have something that they can just go sod it. Here you, here you go, guys. Like, you're all stuck at home. Time is weird. Like, take this. Like, they probably got to that point where they went, this is probably going to help theatre going forward more than it would do if we saved it. Yeah. Yeah. Until last, next year to put out. So, you know, and he mentioned recently, Lin-Manuel mentioned on the, uh, oh, hello, the podcast recently with uh, uh? John Mulaney and Nick Kroll's characters, George St. Giggland and Gil Faison, and I'm sure, respectively. Um, their podcast, <laughs> if, you, if you're not giving it a listen yet, I'm going to have to send you the links. It's wonderful. It's a short series where basically, they, are you familiar with those characters they play? No, but they sound like the characters Hol- they play on Big Mouth. Holy so. shit. Go to Netflix tomorrow and watch Oh Hello on Broadway. It's spelt Broadway, but sure. pronounced Broadway. Please watch it for the love of shit. Um, okay, sure. I mean, one of the op- sure. one of the jokes in the opening address to the audience is like, theater is big right now. Hamilton. And the audience cheers. And then he goes like, and literally nothing else. <laughs> um but they they their recent podcast as those characters is those characters just wanting to have a podcast and decide they're going to tell the story of the untold story of the death of princess diana Uh, and when asked by the producer they want to work with like why have you got a new angle on it they're just sort of like well you know people like people remember and uh, where were you and they talk to different celebs and people throughout the podcast they interview them and one of them's lin-manuel miranda the reason i bring all this up in the first place is because he he mentions that they're working on a school's version of Hamilton because he'd been approached for it continuously for five years, not really known how okay. to respond. And he, yeah. him and a co-writer have like been thinking about it and they think they've cracked how to do it, how to make it work. Um, okay. <clears throat> likely is it will be like a good 45 minutes shorter at the least. I would imagine so. Likeliness is certain plots and things will be taken out. But it's like, okay, this show is not going anywhere anytime soon. It's about to become another Oliver. It's about to become another Grease, like a show that is just in circulation that will always exist, you know, act yeah. in big theatres, in school theatres. It'll probably get to the point where it's a community theatre show that could be done at some point. There'll be versions of it they can buy for that. And it's like, it, it's it's put its, it's dug its claws in. It's not going anywhere. Um, no. The least it could do while it's here and at this moment is keep everybody interested in theater and get them eager to like buy tickets to see things when the time's right so i dig it i dig it a lot yeah <laughs> Thanks. because it's very good really fucking good um, but <laughs> um we should stay on the topic of um david diggs in particular yes uh moving on from hamilton because after this i ended up watching not because of hamilton but just by happenstance <laughs> I ended up watching the first four episodes of Snowpiercer on Netflix. Just by which just by stars... Hamilstance. Yeah. <laughs> um just by Hamilstance, which stars David Diggs hey. um, in the lead along with Jennifer Connolly. Uh it's pretty good. This is the second adaptation, <laughs> right, of the graphic novel. Second adaptation of the graphic novel. 
uh, of the French graphic novel. Um, I don't know what the novel's called now. Trans Persiege, I think it's called. The World is Trains. It's French. The World is Trains. Look out, everybody. Um, Starlight Express without the singing. Base. For those who <laughs> don't know Snowpiercer, it was made into a movie starring Chris Captain America Evans. Uh, <laughs> what, in 2007, I think? Which was directed by Boon Jong Ho, who also directed, who recently won an Oscar for. Uh, uh, Bong Joon Ho, sorry. Who recently won an Oscar for. Um, uh, uh, Parasite. Parasite. Uh, and this has been. This is another adaptation. And it is. The concept is. That. A little boy plays uh, with his trains and all the trains can sing. You'd think, wouldn't you? Oh. Um, <laughs> so, in the near future, uh, the Earth is in the grip of a ice age, which was caused by us trying to reverse global warming. We did it too well and ended up plummeting the Earth into an ice age. And humanity survives only on the 1,001 carriage long snowpiercer constantly um moving around the earth with a powered by perpetual motion engine perpetual motion machine yeah (laughs) and it's very much the class system but horizontal (laughs) ah nice with you know the really rich people the 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 very the prologue of the um first episode is when snowpiercer departs and it is basically everyone so you got first class is the people who paid for entire carriages. Mm-hmm. So it's all the super rich people <clears throat> yeah. who bought the way onto the train. Second class is like um, uh, not necessarily uh, the people who were given spaces as like essential uh, engineers and things like that. The people who are needed Third for class. the whole thing to function. Yeah. Third class is the actual working class. So the people who clean the toilets and and police and fucking whatever. Yeah. And then what happened was is a bunch of people forced their way onto the tail as it was departing and ended up being the tailies. Ah. And so they are kept in the back of the, like shoved into the back of the train in its cargo holds that were not made for people to live in. Um, And it's sort of been, a, sort of, and the series picks up after that seven years after it's, uh, after the train left. Yeah. Where so basically, the freeze has has claimed presumably all of the life on Earth. It's a constant minus hundred below minus a hundred outside. So unless someone's um, made a really um, big campfire and found enough yeah. logs, and are sitting the train, in the fire. <laughs> well, in the first four episodes, you do see a couple of pretty fucking catastrophic instances of what happens when outside gets in. Oh shit! Okay. Um, so it's it's not pretty. Good establishing of um, rules. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the punish one of the punishments that's visited on the tailies by um by hospitality, uh, perversely enough, is um they take arms. So they put your arm in a brace. Oh, they take arms. They it, take arms. Douse it in, they take arms. Right. So they d- put your arm in a brace, douse it in water, and stick it out of a port. Oh, 
until it freezes solid, and then they smash it with a hammer. Oh, no, why? You get to see this in full loving detail in the second episode. Good God, um, why? And there's also a punishment called the draws, in which you put into suspended animation in a morgue-like draw. Oh, Jesus. And that's what they do with the people that break rules. But there's sort of, yeah, there's sort of an uneasy truce between the tailies and and uh, the other passengers. Just basically, look, like, you can you can stay here, but just don't come near us or disturb us well, or they, make anything. Basically, difficult. they just haven't thrown them off the train yet. Like they they, they leave them in the, in those last couple of cars. Yeah, and they give them like rations of like this black protein goo. Oh Christ! Every day, but like it's subsistence <clears> rations, <throat> and they don't get any health care or stuff. Occasionally, they get brought up to be like third class workers to like replace any third class workers who might have accidents or whatever. Yeah, but. For the most part, they're seen as surplus. Uh, they mention, yeah, they, 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 they mentioned that there was an uprising two years after the train left, mm. and that's when the they took thirteen arms uh-huh. in uh, in in response. And it's kind of been cowed by then. But uh, David Diggs plays uh, Andre Layton, who's one of the Tailies, who is a former um, a former homicide detective. Okay. And basically, he gets brought out of the tail to investigate a murder uh, of in first class. Uh, because, no, not a murder in first class, but a murder uh, because there's no actual police on board. Ah, okay. Oh. Because they didn't take, none, none of the, like, there's, there's, there's the jackboots who are like the sort of SWAT fucking um, enforcers who beat the tailies into submission if they do anything wrong. Yeah. And then there's the the brake men who are like the security, but not but what, what only one of them is former police. Oh no, I think two are former police actually. And that's the chief and um a brakeman called Till, who uh gets played by Mickey Sumner. She gets partnered up with um Leighton as he sort of starts his investigation. And then you've got Jennifer Connolly playing Melanie Carville, who's the head of hospitality. And she basically runs the train uh, for the mysterious and never seen Mr. Uh, Winford, who built the train. Mm-hmm. And uh, to all intents and purposes, as far as everyone else is concerned, he runs it. But you only ever see uh, Melanie Carroll doing any of the work. So yeah. you never see Winford. Not so far, anyway. So, um. All creepy Winford. Something's going on. Uh, and yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's the class system on a train, like which is what Stopis has always been. Uh, but it's David Diggs is a hell of a lead lead performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, Jennifer Connelly. What? What would you what want? Would you want? Great Connelly. cast, great cast. You got uh, yeah, like I say, Mickey Sumner is uh, Brakeman Till. Alison Wright uh, plays is another hospitality. She's the first class liaison called Ruth. Oh no, she's the Taylor liaison. Well, she spends a lot of time in the first class as well, called Ruth, and she's just a fantastically condescending bitch. <laughs> um, she like goes down to fucking talk to the Tailies about taking an arm, like taking an arm. She just like gets up on a crate to talk to them all. She's like, "I don't want to be here either." It's like using a native Yorkshire accent. Yeah, she's like, "I don't want to be here either. <laughs> I don't want to take arms, but somebody's got to teach you a lesson." <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Like some um, evil version of Cory. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> like uh, Emmerdale on a train, but with murder. <laughs> yeah, it's just... There's just a lot of stuff going on, and it's... It's a great world-building exercise, because it's basically all in one location. Yarb. You get a sense of, like... You very quickly get a sense of what's going on and, and who everyone is, because you don't have to worry about where you are. <laughs> of what, or you know, movement from places, you you get a very good sense of geography immediately, and you get to see all sorts of sort of just the idea of of a life and a, a working city with its all, all its supply lines and uh, and resources and stuff packed into a, into a single train, mm. thousand and one cars long. Um, it, there's some there's some really good stuff in here. I don't know how the series season's going to go. Um, it oh, it's already got a season two. It got renewed for season two, and they and they started filming season two before season one aired. Oh shit! Okay. Because because they'd had a lot of delays on season one, and they didn't and they didn't want to lose the cast. Yeah, it's just like everyone's available now, so let's so get let's some of it do shot, it now. Um, and then come back and do the rest later. And so yeah. and it's one of those things. It's it's airing in the states week to week, and they're coming on Netflix over here. So I don't think it's finished yet. I don't think season one's finished yet. Okay. I've only seen the first four, but it's um, yeah, it's really good stuff. It's it's a really interesting world to sort of get lost in, and the mysteries that are sort of picked at in these first four episodes uh, are really intriguing. And it's and it's it's one of those things that it's it's a sci-fi setting that absolutely engages with the question of well, how do we solve this problem? Yeah, like there's there's um. Like you see, like the cars where they grow fruit and vegetables, and there's an accident in one car in an early episode in which cattle go extinct. Oh, what? So <laughs> there's an accident in in the cattle car, so now cows are extinct. Oh, right, okay. And it is, and it is literally like <clears throat> they methane someone... themselves to death. <laughs> yeah, something knocks. No, something knocks against the window, and the window cracks. <laughs> Oh, and okay. everything in the car is is near instantly frozen. <laughs> it's that kind of. It's like, oh fuck. Um, so it's that kind of that sort of juggling of resources and and how do we solve these problems is a sort of constant source of tension um, going forward because it is a case of like this train and the people on it are basically the only humans left. Okay. So there's that constant sense of danger as well as the fact that oh oh yeah someone's murdering people on this on this train as well. We've got a murderer. <laughs> Fantastic. But, um, if everything wasn't already in the shit, someone here is killing other people. <laughs> yeah, but as at the end of episode four, that plot seems to be wrapping up and move and then we're moving on to bigger problems. So yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. And like I say, if you've seen Hamilton recently and you'd like David Diggs, then go and watch this because he's fucking great in it. And uh, yeah, Snowpiercer. It's 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 good. It's it's good. It pierced the snow. It's, it's definitely cheap because there's some there's some CGI work on the on the few establishing shots of Snowpiercer going through the tundra, and uh, there's no better way to show up CGI that you've done on the cheap by having it in broad daylight in snow, but. It is what it is. It is you know what it what is, mean? folks. It's, 
it's pretty <laughs> fucking good. Like the, the cast is there, the performances are there. I think the writing's really strong. Um, it's a good allegory. Bit on the nose sometimes, but what isn't? Well, um, I think there's nothing wrong with being on the nose. Well, it's funny you should say that because what I binged this week, <laughs> uh oh, um, was the 2019 re re reboot of one of my yes. favorite television shows ever. Um, I need to watch this. Fraggle Rock. No, uh, I love Fraggle Rock, but Fraggle. no. Um, the tw- Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rook. The Twilight Zone. Uh, the 2019 version of the show, the Rod Serling classic, resurrected in the 80s, then in the early 2000s, and and now again, this time by Jordan Peele and Monkey Paw Productions. Yes. So, uh, whose whose films we have been very enthusiastic about. Yes. Uh, and also by Simon Kinberg, whose films we've been less enthusiastic, less enthusiastic about. about. Yeah. Um. Bring us the Twilight Zone. Ten episodes. The second season uh, arrived First arrived off, in the US three weeks ago in one big go on CBS All Access. But if we in the UK have now finally started to be drip fed for brief periods the first series on Now TV and Sky. Yeah, I feel Sci-Fi like it was on Now TV and then was off it immediately and yeah. then it came back on it again and it's going off it in like two days. So I'm not going to have time to watch it all. But keep an eye out for it. Um, you're saying sorry. First off, you said sweet baby boy. Uh, is it more Kinberg or is it more Peel? It's more Peel. It's definitely more Peel. Though Kinberg does direct a few episodes. Um, how many does he do this series? He does the last one this series, and it's it's very well directed. So like, there is a there is a there is a storyteller. Yeah, there is a storyteller in this guy. Uh, we just haven't really seen it before. He's screaming to get out. But it's it's ten episodes, and <laughs> I'm not, I'll I'll give you I'll I'll just basically give you the basic premise premise of Uh-oh. of each one. Um, well, I know. Uh, no, actually, I don't. The only one I know about is um, the the sort of reimagining of of terror at thirty thousand feet. Oh, oh, the the, the, the with, nightmare uh, the nightmare at twenty five twenty thousand feet. Um, sort of. Uh, <sighs> spiritual sequel it's well well yeah. I'll, I'll... With, with adam scott basically yeah yeah it's that episode <laughs> with adam scott it's the premise mm. the base premise i don't know where oh, it goes from that oh it literally is that in just that sort of opening line of sort of synopsis it's because i yeah, was, I, was I, curious about that. I, I didn't i didn't think that that, that that they'd be so lazy as to just remake a classic episode no. with new actors. I'll, I thought they I thought they put a spin on it the people who are working on oh this, yeah. you know what I mean? A lot of these stories allude to past Twilight Zone stories. For the, for those who some because a lot of our listeners are younger like for those who genuinely don't know, the Twilight Zone is the reason why we have Black Mirror. Like it's 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 yeah. the it's the Mac Daddy of anthology fiction. It it Anthology genre fiction specifically. Specifically, uh, Rod Serling created it in the late fifties, and it ran for five full seasons and like nearly two hundred episodes, and it was sublime. It it it's it was sort of like the first popular use of um, horror and science fiction ideas, big horror and science fiction ideas on television. Um, yeah. Allegories for social, uh, racial. Um, financial divides in america and and um, and what that meant and it, it it's very it's full of morals but they're never obvious it, it it's the sort of storytelling where you go away thinking about what you just watched and go oh yeah 
There was time now. It isn't fair. Don't, that one gets a big ass shout out in the series. Um, uh, all the time in the world gets a big ass shout out in the series. But um, it's it's absolutely superb. Uh, and as Matt's mentioned, one of the most notable episodes was uh, was Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet as being like one of the first kind of big TV uses of William Shatner. He plays a passenger on a plane. <laughs> Who already the big TV use of you been a prop? <laughs> well, come on, let's face it. I mean, basically, he's, he a, is, he's like... a slab of ham, um, <laughs> in, in more ways than one. Uh, Willie Ham, Willie Ham Shatner, and he, <laughs> Willie Ham Shankner, and he, um, uh, he my best. He, he's a man who's terrified of flying, and during a flight, he sees something on the wing. And he can't Something. shake the air. No, he, the he doesn't say it like that. Ace Ventura <laughs> I says, know he doesn't. you swine. Um, I know. He sees something on the wing and he can't shake the idea that there is something out there on the plane. Um, if that sounds familiar to our younger listeners who've never seen The Twilight Zone, it's because you've seen Treehouse of Horror 4 in The Simpsons. Because the same yeah. thing, Nightmare at Four and a Half Feet, I think it's called. And it's Bart on the school bus with the gremlin on the school bus. That's yeah. that is a far too close to the original homage to what the Twilight Zone episode was about. Um, it's it's amazing. Like I I I think I think we must have watched a couple Twilight Zones together before. If not, I need nope. to. I know we did our quiz last year where I presented we're, you with like we a were... series of uh, a series of, of yeah. stories to see whether they were real or not. I think we were planning to do some commentaries with them. We will. We'll make it happen. But, we'll make but, it happen. But, but, but because of obvious, we've not been able to get back together yet, so we haven't been able to get that off the ground. We'll, 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 we'll figure a way. Um, but it's this. I mean, episodes I absolutely love. There's one called The After Hours. Uh, there's uh, Cliff Robertson uh, again. Younger viewers, Uncle Ben, and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Like, gives a fucking <laughs> spectacular lead performance in a story called The Dummy. Um, it's yeah. Oh my god! It's it's. Which I'm sure you love. Oh. You, come on they have two ventriloquist doll stories in five seasons it they also gave birth to the porcelain doll being evil talky tina comes from the twilight zone there's an episode starring telly savalas freaking kojak himself um, uh who loves you baby the doll in the house is that he hears this doll with the pull string threaten him yeah. threaten his life mm. and as the story goes on it's like is he insane? Is he projecting onto this thing? Like, what is going on? Uh, again, inspired one of the best episodes of Sabrina ever. The one with um, uh, the Molly Dolly. The, the, the second Halloween episode for Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Like, it just, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, there's one called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Um, that is about, essentially, like, at the time, like, Cold War paranoia. And a neighborhood starts to eat itself alive out of like paranoia that everyone is out to get everyone else in the street. And it's just this growing sense of dread and anger. And it's like, oh, this is so fucking good. Because it is. Mm. Um, but here's the basic premise and my essentially sort of tiny review of each episode for the series. Uh, okay. If you're watching it on Now TV, if you manage to binge it in the day that this will still be up when you hear this, or if you catch it the next time it's on Now TV. Do keep them tiny because we've got to do emails. Yeah, stuff. this is the watch order. It's wrong on Now TV. I know it's anthology. It doesn't matter. But the last episode is the last episode for a fucking reason. And it's weird that they put yeah, them out okay. of order. So 
the comedian uh, stars Kamal Nanjani as a comedian who's sort of one of the one of the feature performers at this club. He's not really hitting it Pre-ripped out of the park anymore. Kamal Nanjani. Uh, mid-ripped Kamal oh, Nanjani. All right, all right. Like, he's in a t-shirt in like two scenes and you're like, now you yeah, have my attention. You're, you're getting your Eternals uh, bod at this point. Yeah. Like you can see yeah. the bod forming. But um, yeah, he, he's a comedian. He's, it's, he's not quite knocking out the park as well as he used to. Uh, uh, he feels his material's not working. His, his girlfriend's put all Wait, of her... is this is this the episode this is or the is this you describing this Kamal Nanjani? This is Nanjani? the episode. Hey, 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 uh, it got him. His, his girl, his girlfriend, <laughs> played by uh, Amara Karan, who, um, like, I, I, when I saw her, I was like, oh my god, I recognize her. What do I recognize her from? What do I recognize her from? Uh, she was the companion that we wished was a companion, Rita, in the Doctor Who episode, The God Complex. You know, the one in the hotel with the Minotaur. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she, yes. Yes. She's yes, really yes. fucking good in this as well. But like, she's been supporting him as best she can, and it's just not like you know, he's he's hit a rut, and then. He effectively is told last night by legendary comedian, uh, one night by legendary comedian J.C. Wheeler, played by Tracy Morgan, um, who, who's sort of been off the circuit for a couple of years, but is like he's basically like he's 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 uh, he, he's he's Eddie Murphy at the height of his fame. He's Dave Chappelle. He's that kind of like notoriously like famous that like everyone worships the ground he walks on kind of comedian. And he he just turns around and he says like you need to make it about you. And then your classic deal with the devil kind of scenario comes around. He starts brilliant, telling uh, Samir, the character starts telling jokes about things in his life. And they hit. They're a hit. It works. He spitballs and everything's fantastic. It's all working out. He tells jokes about his dog. Then goes back to his apartment that night. And they don't have a dog. Ooh. Only he remembers his dog. So oh. it become it becomes... A fucking brilliant story about what are you willing to throw under the bus for success and happiness, personal happiness. Um, it's freaking great. And you think of that idea and you're like, that could be pretty dark. Yeah. So uh, I'll yeah. leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, I love the comedian. It was one of my favorites of the series. Uh, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet starring Adam Scott. Sort of a spiritual sequel to Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Uh, and like William yep. Shatner and John Lithgow in the movie version, um, before him, Adam Scott has the role of a passenger on a plane who's getting paranoid, specifically a journalist who's had a nervous breakdown recently. And his, his wife thinks it's too early for him to get on this plane. And he's just, you know, oh, he talks to a guy who used to be a pilot who's sitting on the plane with him. And he sort of notices a few slightly odd looking characters and people amongst the plane. But he's OK. He's fine. He'll make it through. He rummages in his seat to put some stuff in the, the pocket in front of him. And finds an old MP3 player. Big chunky iPod looking motherfucker. And the only thing on it is a true mysteries, true crime podcast. So he mm. begins to listen. And the story is of the disappearance of the Northern Gold Star Airlines flight 1015. Which is the flight he's on. So, it becomes <laughs> a story of someone who's just gone through a big like psychological breakdown being aware that something's going to happen to the flight he's on and no one believes him and him trying to unfill what he can do to prevent the events from happening so it's not something on the wing although there's a brief little nod to that and there's also a girl who's got a little uh sort of squishy cuddly toy which you see briefly in the episode and if you look at its face it's it's the gremlin from the original so it's like oh that's cute yeah but uh it's 
it's pretty damn I like it's that. pretty damn great if you're only going to watch one i'd say that'd probably be the one if you're going to watch just one this series because it's like oh that's very quintessential twilight zone and it's it's pretty yeah. sweet um replay this is one of my absolute favorites maybe my favorite of the series this stars um okay. sana lathan um okay yeah 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 already quality uh she is sending her son uh driving gonna be driving her son off to college and she's filming everything on the camcorder that she's had since she was a kid no matter how knackered and old it is her son's like just film on your iphone mom she's like no 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 like we always do this i filmed your first day like your first steps and your first swim and your first day of school on this i'm gonna film that on this um she discovers over the course of their diner breakfast that every time she hits rewind on the camera she rewinds time we're into uh, oh. life is strange uh, logic here because what All follows right. is a series of different attempts at the journey to his college campus each mm. one resulting in the same white cop pulling them over or confronting oh. them and her son being put in danger or being fatally oh. wounded yes it's Ooh. yeah and i mean again doing what the twilight zone does best and incredibly resonant this past week watching it considering the events of the last two months and the ongoing experience of being black in any country but particularly in america yeah um this is fucking excellent and uh sana lathan's performance in this is my favorite performance in the whole series so okay okay worth watching that one's called replay and i think that that's probably that's 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 your first 10 out of 10 in the series um all right all right a traveler an alaskan police station they're having their christmas eve tradition where the sergeant is going to pardon one of the minor offense prisoners in the in the station like someone who's just been a bit drunk or rowdy that night or whatever and all the cops okay. are sharing gifts and the mayor's hanging out and they're all celebrating the uh, the new power station that's uh, opened up and opened up tourism to the area because it's like a big like uh, army base and power station sort of combo thing and all this is wonderful yeah. and um our main uh, our main sort of cadet what's her name uh uh her name is Yuka uh, she brings her brother Jack in to be the prisoner because they've not got anyone in the cells and he's a bit drunk so she's like just just go along with it you'll be out in half an hour you can have some cake like it'll be great when she goes to collect him okay. when she goes to collect him there's another guy in there uh, a guy whose name is legally a traveler who's wearing a suit claims to be a youtube famous uh like world touring uh you know backpacking guy he's got this really style a stylish state-of-the-art phone and he's like i'm just looking for forgiveness and i just want to talk to you as chief and it's all going to be great and as the night goes on you realize he knows an awful lot about everybody here at this place and his arrival may or may not tie into the blackouts that the power station has been having over recent weeks. Um, mm. This one's a little sloppy. I this one's a little sloppy in its telling, um, but visually is oh. one of the most interesting ones in the series. Um, okay. And has a very... Like, its ending is the only ending that's kind of like, oh, that's very Twilight Zone in not necessarily the best way. But in a way where you're like, so Twilight, exactly. But in a way where you're like, they were gonna do one like this. Of course they were, but still kind of fun. The wonder who's fucking great, um, plays campaign manager uh, Raf Hanks, and uh, he is his presidential his campaign uh, run for the president to get elected to a second term 
fails spectacularly and the president really pins it on him. His career's in the shit. Suddenly, a couple of years later, a kid, a young boy called Oliver, goes viral because he announces his candidacy, candidacy for president, that he wants to run for president. And Raph is like, people's response to this kid's viral video is like warm and fuzzy and it makes okay. them smile and he's like fuck it like this is it and he goes to the parents and he's like i'm gonna help your kid run for president like they're like look you know it's not gonna be serious and he went no of course it isn't and you know i'm an opportunist but that's the point i get my career back your kid spreads a wonderful message of just like being nice to people to everybody like he's already doing we get a bigger platform and this ends with him yeah, Jacob Tremblay. This ends with him. This ends with him. Um, oh, it's Jacob out Tremblay. And uh, and you know, uh. like you'll have enough money to put him and his sister and your dog through college for Christ's sake. Like you know, let's let's do this. It'll be wonderful. And they're like, okay, we'll go along with it. And what begins is sort ah. of like, oh, isn't this cute? This kid's running for president. Okay. okay. Gradually progresses and keeps escalating, and things aren't as fluffy and as gentle as they seem on the surface mm. when everything goes uh everything starts showing up oliver um okay. it's intercut with a somewhere in the present because this is in the past somewhere in the present uh raf on what appears to be an operating table trying to recall the events of the previous year um yeah Fuck, this is good. And has got one of the most visually interesting sort of oh. ending shots of it. Uh, uh, Jordan Peele, as the producer of the oh. show, takes over the the Rod Serling role in the Forest Whit- the Forest Whitaker role of the 2000s reboot, uh, where he narrates the opening and the closing. Sometimes yeah, he's in yeah. shot, sometimes it's just audio narration. Um, and the final shot of this is so sound stagey, old school TV. It's beautiful. Um, the Wonderkind. <laughs> Rate that one highly too. That is great. Uh, Six Degrees of Freedom. This was the weak link for me. This one was the one that made me go a bit, eh, interesting cast. DeWanda Wise, Jessica Williams, um, uh, Jessica, uh, yeah. Jefferson White, uh, Lucinda Dryzek, and Jonathan Whitesell. It's a five-hander. Spaceship's about to leave Earth. It's a voyage to Mars. Just as they're about to yeah. leave, nuclear war breaks out on Earth. Awesome. And they leave. And it's that terrifying thing of we were thinking we were going to miss our families and now we don't even know if our families are alive anymore. But we've got Mm. an eight-month journey to Mars. We're going to carry on. We'll try each day to communicate with Earth and see if we get a response. So already, you know, so far, so Prometheus. Um, uh, It's, you know, so far, so Gravity. Like, it's it's every kind of, like, horror version of 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 a NASA story ever. Um, so far so the cloverfield paradox yeah yes especially Uh, when one crewman jerry who's the most sort of logical one of the bunch starts to notice some inconsistencies with their scenario are they actually en route to mars or did they even leave earth in the first place um okay again very twilight zone kind of wrap up uh like archetypal twilight zone kind of wrap up just not the strongest for me i feel like uh, i don't know I, it needed something maybe the direction just needs to be a little bit more punchy okay you're like yeah. the cloverfield paradox was bullshit but even the cloverfield paradox kind of it still felt like it was moving and stuff was happening and, yeah and i, feel I didn't like, know what what was happening or which direction it was moving in but... yeah speaking of cloverfield paradox one of its stars returns in an episode in a couple episodes of time um okay, cool not all men this is another holy shit. This is incredible. So, um, Taisa Famiga plays uh, a woman called Annie, 
who's um, a reporter and she's working with a, a lab laboratory, a chemi- chemistry company. Uh, and she's been assigned there to sort of, you know, help develop the, the reports and everything for it with the bosses. And she and her boss, Dylan, start to get a little bit close. They get home. They, you know, they, there's me, kiss me, she moves. What do you say? Um, <laughs> she feels it's moving a little too fast, though. Uh, on the same night, a bunch of meteors strike their small town. And, like, yeah. they find one and they take it in. And, oh, isn't it funny? Oh, there it is on the mantle. Oh, what a laugh. Oh, that's kind of cool, isn't it? This is a sign. You know, we should totally give this a try. She starts to feel like he's imposing a little too much. And after he's seemingly a little bit more aggressive than he was five minutes ago, he apologizes and she leaves. Although, before leaving, she turns around to see him smashing up his record player in rage behind her. Um, yeah. Uh, she meets up with her sister for her sister's birthday. And uh, her brother-in-law's a big goofball jock kind of guy. And isn't this fun? Ha ha ha. Aren't we having a nice time? He he he. Tee he he. Then all the men in town... Then all the men in town start behaving incredibly violently okay toward each other toward anyone nearby okay uh sounds a bit on the nose kind of is oh god how dare anyone convince no no no, but but uh, like it's on the nose because it's like because this is true motherfuckers yeah how dare anyone accuse the twilight zone of being on the nose well well, that's the thing it was up well it was always a lot more the allegorical yeah, no, no, but it was anthology all, show of record. It's always been more oh, allegorical. It's always been more allegor- allegorical in a sense where it is woven in, whereas in this series there's been a couple stories already that I've described to you that you're like they're just putting the they're just putting the moral or the social commentary right at the front. Like yeah. this is what it's about. Um but there's, I obviously but, think there are plenty of people who just won't fucking get it if you don't, oh, though. Oh, they, they're prepared for that. So, Not All Men is great. It's a really good sort of essentially rage zombie movie. It's disturbing. It has one of the creepiest moments in the whole series involving someone singing happy birthday to you, lighting candles whilst covered in the blood of a man he just bludgeoned to death on the lawn. Um, not All Men is fucking great. Uh, did, you, um, did you ever see Mom and Dad? I never did no, but this is this is. uh, I I know the I know the premise. This is this is this is very much that. Yeah. Uh, Point of origin. Um, Eve Martin, played by Jennifer Goodwin, um, rats out. She's a very 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 rich woman. She's a a stay at home uh, mother slash socialite housewife. She has eight year old twin girls. Her husband's a big city lawyer, and their housemaid. Uh, it, who is called? Da, 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 let me get the name I'd, right. Uh, Anna. I'd just like to say that I'm I'm following along on IMDb with these episodes that are coming up, and they've the first review on all of them has been like a terrible review, going, "Oh, why is it political?" Because it always freaking was, guys. Again, <laughs> stick stick with me, stick with me. The, I know the, the I, show. I get you. No, I get you. The show is prepared for that. Um, so. Uh, uh, she, uh, her housemaid and, and nanny Anna, uh, is ratted out to the authorities because of her illegal immigrant status. Um, and it's because yeah. Eve was just slightly paranoid that she might show her up, despite her being a part of the family, as she keeps saying, uh, for eleven years now. Um, so uh, eventually, uh, Ice take uh, Anna away, um, and then uh, HSI. What's that organization called again? Oh, uh, U- U.S. Immigration and Customs Homeland Security Investigations take the whole family in 
Okay. And then eventually let the twin girls and the husband go and keep Eve. And then put her in essentially immigration lockup. And she begins to learn that maybe she isn't so different from the people that she's been looking down on. Maybe everyone comes from somewhere else originally. And that somewhere else isn't necessarily in this world. Um, Yeah, I get you. I get you. Not one of the strongest because it's just sort of a bit like... I don't know. I feel I feel like they could push they could have pushed it a little more. This might have served better as a uh uh a longer episode like an hour hour and a half one maybe. Um because yeah. it feels like it has some really big ideas and they just they don't go with them all the way, but still very good, really enjoyable. There's a certain moment where Anna just says to her, "What is the name of my grandson?" Keep in mind this is a woman that Eva's had in her life for 11 years. Mm. You can guess where that moment goes. Um, the blue scorpion. Holy shit! This is quintessential Twilight Zone. Um, Chris O'Dowd plays a uh, a depressed a depressed like uni professor who's recently started going through divorce proceedings against sort of his better judgment, but his wife eventually confesses to him, "Look, I'm I'm in love with someone else. I'm sorry, but she wants to split everything like you know." less than equally so he's having to fight that he's moved back in with his dad for the time being his dad used to be a roadie and is a massive like you know weed smoker and a hippie cool. hippie till i die but he comes home to find his cool. dad has killed himself um oh, shot himself cool. in the face with a gun that uh jeff our main character played by chris o'dowd didn't even know his dad owned after a little bit of investigation whilst clearing out his dad's things he finds the the case for the gun inside a lit safe a safe that is lit up at all times on the inside and there's only mm. one bullet remaining um, in that box. And the bullet says Jeff. So, oh. coupled with his father's suicide note, which read, I always loved him more than you, which was left for Jeff to find. Uh. Jeff starts to wonder why the fuck this bullet has his name on it. Until he encounters someone on the street called Jeff. His wife's lawyer's called Jeff. His wife's new boyfriend is called Jeff. The guy at the gun range, which he goes to, to fire the bullet to finally get rid of it. Like, just get rid of it by firing it at a range. Is called Jeff. Not only that, the gun is a famous piece that is only really known to high-end collectors called the Blue Scorpion. Named after the the painted decor on the handle of the gun itself. Uh A gun which apparently is frightened of the dark and has never been bought. But it's always found an owner. Um, this is so good, and I always forget. I'm still one of those people, despite being an actor. I always forget whenever I see Chris O'Dowd in something. Oh shit! Yeah, this guy does drama because I'm so used to him being a comedy character or a comedy actor. Yeah, yeah. That whenever he rocks up in something like you know Cloverfield Paradox or this, I go, "Fuck, you are good. You are really mm. good." He gives one of the best performances of the series. Again, if you have to pick one, this is another I'd recommend. Finally, Blurry Man. Mm. Um, you have to watch this last. Uh, and I'm going to spoil 
the premise ever so slightly, but not the well, entire episode. The, the premise episode. is spoiled by the fact that I've just gone on it on IMDb. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. all right. So what begins with an episode where a writer writes about the apocalypse and then finds out that it's happening outside his window, Jordan Peele, as the narrator, begins to set up the episode before breaking character, turning to the camera and going, ah, I'm just not feeling this one. Can we do a rewrite? We realize that this story takes place on the set of the 2019 series of The Twilight Zone. Yeah, where uh, scriptwriter, uh, well, the, the 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 two actors in the episode, Seth Rogen and Betty Gabrielle, uh, are sort of now waiting around to start picking up the shoot. Jordan Peele's going to get a makeup touch up, and he talks to Sophie, who's the writer of this episode, uh, played by Zazie Beetz. Zazie Beetz, wonderful Zazie Beetz. She's been a Twilight Zone fan all of her fucking life. She grew up watching the reruns like crazy. Like she was always so passionate about it. And she, this episode in particular, is about art versus. Um, art versus sort of uh, education like you know you, you, we need to have a moral like we need to have a moral that's what this has to be about but like art versus entertainment versus education what you know what what place does each of these things hold and jordan peele says like why does it have to be an either or situation why can't they all be one and the same she essentially yeah. feels that the series they've been making is too on the nose and too upfront. um with its its messages like it's almost like each episode is going here is the thing we want you to think about and she feels that that's wrong based on the show that she idolized from her youth but as a weird blurred outline mm. as a weird blurred outline in the back of shots of all the oh, previous like episodes in the edit starts to appear in the uh the dailies for the new episode that they're filming all right and people think sophie may or may not have something to do with it is this a prank have you got a friend on set to try and like muck about with a shoot just because you're unhappy come on all right sophie's about to learn on one very uncomfortable night alone in the studio that maybe times are changing and maybe it's time to be on the nose because that's what the people of today need to have put in front of them to listen to a show whose legacy has always been about trying to teach you things with horror with science fiction with fiction um excellent it's about the legacy of the twilight zone it's about why the show feels a little different now um well it's being made yeah 50 years later yeah of course it feels different yeah the audiences of the 50s and the 60s were watching their episodes and they were thinking about it more they were talking about it at work the next day they were discussing it with the family around the dinner table audiences today consume stuff so much that maybe you need to slap them in the face with the idea up front of what you want to get across in your story um and maybe that's not a bad thing and it's yeah it's this this is one that it works best as an end of the end of the season watch like it absolutely has to be the last one not just because it has little callbacks to all the previous nine episodes particularly with footage of them with this unusual silhouette in the back of shots mm. um which you then start to think wait was that there was that was that shape behind Kamel manjani in the first one like was it mm. um not only that, it's also the first episode that just flat out is like, this is our love letter to the show we're rebooting. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's really, 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 really good. I dug this show a lot. It, I finished it and immediately was like, right, which episode of the original five series am I going to put on now? Like, I just want to put one on. Um, I, yeah, uh, it's it it's got like 
four hours left on now tv by the time this episode goes up so wait for it to return guys or keep an ear out for or keep an ear and an eye out for an eventual actual physical or digital release here in the uk but um mm. and and if we know it's gone back we'll absolutely let you know in the podcast if it's returned to the catch-up service um i'm so so happy with it and and now i'm just annoyed that we don't know when we're getting series two when america got it three weeks ago in one go so yeah i i'm delighted like like you with snowpiercer okay. i'm like yes more please keep going <laughs> keep doing this give me okay. more the only thing that can make it better is if david digs at start in an episode and then it'll be happy hey there's still time still time there was time now which gets a massive shout out in the last episode um i've never been so excited to see a camera pan down to reveal a broken pair of spectacles um <laughs> Mm. <clears throat> yeah 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 sorry about the ramble but uh we've watched some lovely things we wanted to tell you about <laughs> yeah cool um and now we're gonna do some emails hit me so with your rambling. emails um fire away so uh i just heard my wife laughing through the wall through earphones and i'm <laughs> slightly unnerved uh, frequently uh emailing uh doctor who person sam has returned <laughs> um <laughs> we've been through the wilderness years and sam's back at the yeah. other end <laughs> with two little missives oh the first being hello little email or should that be hello little email i don't know which one that should be um <laughs> i just realized that guy lambert is john nathan turner oh what no, no he isn't no he isn't um <laughs> next one <laughs> No, he isn't. In what? fact, in fact, Guy Lambert, um, occasional so, collaborator with our project, surely the first like connection you should make if you wanted to associate him with the producer of Doctor Who would be a Lambert for, of some kind, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, also, she was the true Lambert. Yeah, also, I've never seen um, him in a Hawaiian shirt, so I don't know what you're talking about. Well, well. Like David Have you Diggs ever seen in... him out of a Hawaiian shirt? Who... <sighs> like David Diggs in the Twilight um, Zone, this time. There was time uh, and now. then continuing on from that, but on a completely different bent, because honestly, reading these emails, Sam, I get whiplash from trying to follow your train of thought. <laughs> like Snowpiercer. Um, yeah. <laughs> 1,001 cars long. Uh, good day, my mayors of my life and happiness. No, we're not elected officials of anyone's mental state. Um, it me. <laughs> I am back from my trip to the death zone. In the zone, I was throwing dead bodies into a murka after that I had reached the tomb of Rastalon. I hope that next time I go to my holiday home, I will not die. Sure. Uh, so now I'm back and I have five new DVDs. The Keys of Marinus, The Aztecs, The Talons of Weng Chiang, The Caves of Andrazane, and the TV Movie. Today, TV Movie, special edition. Special features are... Two commentaries. Is this the Amazon? Did you just copy the Amazon product description? Sam? This is what you did. <laughs> one with the director and one with Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann. Ah, the plot, the Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, the, my favourite composite actor. The plot the Doctor is taking the Master to Gallifrey, but the Master has forced the TARDIS, of course. Of course. And the TARDIS arrives in San Francisco on New Year's Eve in 1999, but some men shot the Doc later in the morgue. The Doctor wakes up a new man, but he's acting to Mrs. the Master again as a new body as the clock counts. And the Doctor is a new man has stopped the Master's body and it's gone! Sorry, there's no punctuation in this at all. Um, McGann is great in this. The 24 minutes of Sylvester is okay. I always dress... 
Sorry, I cut off. It looks like I'm going back to the death zone again. I love the lake of blood. It's so red. Goodbye, my dears. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about? What? What are you saying? You broke him, Sam. You broke him. He's gone. He's gone, Sam. You you killed him. I Pickled don't... in time. I don't know what. I... They'll be driven insane. I don't know what I'm reading. <laughs> I don't know what I'm reading. This one's slightly more coherent. Um, this one comes in from Alistair. Uh, it says, Dear Benton, which is me, and Benson, which is you. All right, okay. Um, I have recently been trying to get into comic books. Just open them. Read the pages, turn the pages. If the pages are stuck together, maybe ask the person who gave them to you why. Sometimes they come bagged and boarded, but you just have to lift up the flap and pull them out. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And I've been recommended the Marvel Ultimate Universe, particularly Ultimate Spider-Man. Not a bad show. I have fond memories of playing Ultimate Spider-Man and Marvel Ultimate Alliance on the PS2. And collecting the comic book covers really warming me to the art style. One big concern I have is the black cloud that hangs over the Ultimate Universe, Ultimatum. No. Is it still worth reading through Ultimate Marvel, knowing how it all ends up? Are there are or are there other runs in the six one six that are worth reading instead? Look forward to hearing you. Look forward to hearing from you, Sergeant Alistair. P.S. Hamilton is great, isn't it? It is. Yes, Hamilton is great. Uh, uh, to be honest, things. Ultimatum's not the end of the Ultimate Universe. Ultimatum's. N- I think in the grand scheme of things, Ultimatum is not even really the halfway point of the Ultimate Universe. No, we have Ultimatum, and then not too yeah. long after that, we have... One second, what's the name of it? Uh, uh, I can't see it, but there's one with Galactus in it. Um, and then after that is Secret Wars, which is officially where the Ultimate Universe actually ends. Yeah, that's where it properly ends. Um, um, but I think the best thing to do is... follow the spi- Just follow the spiders. Like, like Harry spiders. and Ron, follow the goddamn spiders... Just stick, read Ultimate Spider-Man. Stick with Peter Don't, chronologically. Yeah. Stick with Miles chronologically. And if you can't bet, say goodbye to him after Secret War, leap into Miles' 616 books. And if there's a character that you like in the Ultimate Universe, then look for a modern run of them in the 616. And if it's a if it's a particularly recent run, like in the last five years, they'll probably have integrated elements of whatever the Ultimate version was into yeah. 616 version. Yeah. Um but yeah, Ultimatum isn't the end. No. It's of, also uh, of, of it's also not worth paying full price for like recommended retail price for. Yeah. So my recommendation would be find a second hand copy of it for cheap if you really do want to go fuck it, I'm diving in, why not? Cuz it is awful. Uh, Ultimatum if, if is you... awful, but it's like it's so glaringly awful that there is entertainment yeah. value to be derived from it. The other option is go to Comic Pop's YouTube channel and watch their back issues yeah. on Ultimatum. Or Sal will, Sal will tell you the whole story. <laughs> get if you've got a bit of money, get buy a year's worth of Marvel Unlimited and yeah. just read it at your leisure because all the Ultimate stuff's on there. What's it? What's it at now? Is it like fifty nine ninety nine or something for the I year? It's like sixty dollars for a year. Yeah. Yeah. So not uh, not a lot at all. Whatever's on there for how much? All you the get Ultimate stuff to. will be on there. Yeah. Certainly all the Ultimate Spider Man stuff. I don't know if the Ultimate marvel team up stuff's on there actually um but oh, aka it's everything. Oh, aka here's extra ultimate spider-man stories but we're gonna make yeah. them really hard to get hold of 
I have the it's, I have the massive trade paperback collection of all the ultimate team ups, and even I have to be like, so when when the fuck do I read these, and when the fuck do I forget that any of them happened because they're all non canon you know except for the lizard. The one. trick is, <laughs> the trick is, is you just don't read them. But they're fun. Just don't read them. The Fantastic Four ones layered with just Easter eggs. The lizard ones are great horror read. story. It's like it's like Ultimate Adventure. Just don't read it. But the man thing issue is really good. Did you ever read Ultimate Adventure? No, no. But I read the shit out of Ultimate the, Team Up. <laughs> the one with um, okay. the Batman and Robin pastiche. No, I never did. Oh, It's not good. Oh. It's not good. Oh. So this is why I didn't get it's into the Ultimate good. Events after a certain point and I just stuck to Spidey. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's one of the early ones because it was one of the... It, remember when there was that period where there was like three dueling books? And it was like Ultimate Adventure, Trouble... And Marvel, I heard of them, but I never got any of them. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like it was like from that period. It was like it was early Ultimate stuff because it was when it still had the um, the the unified branding of the sidebar title. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so it was... so it couldn't have been any later than Ultimates Volume Two. Then it could have been any later. Oh, it was than way that. before Ultimates Volume Two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like probably around the time of Ultimates Volume One, if not a little earlier. Hulk kill Freddie Prince Jr. Yes, Hulk do kill Freddie Prince Jr. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yes, Hulk do kill Freddie Prince Jr. Read Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> These are words we just said. Fuck me. Uh, read Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. and if you like any of the characters in the Ultimate Universe, then you want to read more of them, have a look for the 616 versions. Uh, this one comes in from Jack. Jack. Jack, the man Says, with the backpack. Hello, my lovelies. My last email was just as the coronavirus pandemic put us all into lockdown. Since then, I have been saving your videos for one big binge, which I'm going through right now. Whilst writing this, I am watching your fourth anniversary. Hey. Oh. Today on the 14th of... Uh, serious note, serious note. Oh. Uh, today on the 14th of July, I was sad to hear the news that Grant Imahara of Mythbusters fame passed away. Yeah. Mythbusters... Uh, was a great part of my childhood and continues its legacy for me today with Adam Savage's Tested. Do you have any fond memories or such with Mythbusters? I have lovely fond memories of Mythbusters. Back when, in, in the early days of Netflix, I used to watch that shit all the time. I, just, I, I can't... I've lost count of the number of times I've watched the first three seasons of Mythbusters. Because um, that's all that was on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, early um, Netflix was mostly just random American TV shows, guys. <laughs> and Matt yeah, watched the shit in, out of them. Yeah. Grant Mahara, uh Great loss. It was only 49. Yeah, it was young. Brain aneurysm. Um, just out of nowhere. Um, also, not not to forget that apart from Mythbusters, he was also a special effects artist and did work on various Star Wars projects. Uh, and I believe he was involved in the uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah, well, I think he did some... Uh, let me just look up some of his credits. That's here, right. Because he had his... quite a... Uh, Quite an involvement in some really interesting stuff. His his out of Mythbusters stuff is what I'm most familiar with because I have to thank him for something that has given me so much joy over the last three years in particular. Because over the last three years, I've finally kind of discovered the magic that was the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Um, oh yes, he, cre- he created, he, he created uh, Jeff Jeff Robert- Peterson. Robertson? Jeff Peterson. Jeff Peterson. Uh, yeah. The prop. He not only created it, he improved it and maintained it. Uh, Craig Ferguson now has the Jeff prop in his house, uh, and I think he mentioned on Twitter the other day that that Grant like checked in on it as recently as like a year and a half ago. 
Oh. Even though obviously Craig doesn't use it, it's just sat there, but it's just you know making sure it's okay. And 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 that prop and the work that that Josh Robert Thompson, who played Jeff, um, for the yeah. for the bulk of the run where he was a sentient character and not just some catchphrases in a soundboard, and 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 the stuff that Josh Robert Thompson and Craig Craig Ferguson did with this character is some of the funniest shit I have ever seen in my mm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I highly encourage anybody who likes good comedy and hates James Gordon to go to YouTube and just look up like Craig Ferguson, Jeff, Jeff G E O F F and watch just compilations of these two characters interacting. Holy shit. And it makes you realize that like, wow, this is the show that stopped so that Gordon could host it and just do a shit version of Graham Norton and steal, steal Reggie Watts from comedy. Bang, bang. What the fuck is this? (laughs) Um, like, Oh my god! I think I've shown you the ca- the careful Icarus thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! It's very good. Some of the funniest shit I've ever seen um, in my life, and that's down to Grant creating that prop. And because Craig always wanted a robot skeleton army, so Grant made him a robot skeleton, and he got one, and it became yeah. a big part of the show. So uh, as hey. a as a model maker, uh, that was his primary sort of work in special effects. Worked on all three of the Star Wars prequels. Worked on AI. Oh shit! Galaxy Quest. Now you've said that, I can Lost see it. World. Oh yeah. damn! Worked on Terminator Three. Fuck. Worked on the Matrix sequels. Worked on Van Helsing. So like a lot of like early two thousands like genre effects heavy stuff. Did some great work on that, you know. Um, I mean, some of the android. I know AI is a bit of an odd one. Like I'm not a big fan of the film overall, but like some of the android designs in that, especially like, the discarded androids and stuff. Like, yes, I can absolutely yeah. see his hand in that. Probably quite literally in a few shots, I imagine. So, Make okay. that bit move, Grant. <laughs> Make it move. Um, I believe that's probably where he met buggered. Adam Savage. Make it move. Adam Savage worked on the... AI. Uh, uh, prequels, episode one. Worked ah, on, uh, so that's probably where Myth... That's probably where Mythbusters was born. Yeah, because they're all visual effects artists. Um, so, uh, in lighter news... In lighter news... Uh, I have also continued with my Doctor Who watch through, and I have just finished Mind Warp, the second story of the Trial oh. of the Time Lord. All I have to oh, say, all I have is this to say: Brian, blessed. Why yes. did nobody tell me about this? I wish you could have seen my face when I saw my favourite booming-voiced Monty Python God Santa lying on the operating table. Would you like to see Brian come back into Doctor Who? Absolutely. I know I would. Not as the same character, just just as some random shouting creature. (laughs) I know I would, perhaps in a role that's a bit less Warrior King who doesn't know better and clearly wearing a Japanese inspired costume, which is quite questionable. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, Lucky Brian, though, he ends up with uh, Nicola Bryant. (laughs) Unlucky Nicola Bryant, she ends up with Brian. (laughs) Yeah, all right. That's one of the fucking most egregious exits for a companion. I don't know. Doing our marathon, there's there's at least three other occasions where it's just I'm gonna stay behind. Why? Because I found love. Oh, no. all right, bye. And that, that's that's the most egregious thing because it just literally comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's like oh, yeah. we not bringing Perry back. Just banging Ikanos. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, she's gonna live. She's gonna live on an alien planet now and shag uh, Brian Blessed. Bye. Uh, like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> also, this Thursday is my 18th birthday. Happy. Happy birthday to you! Um, Happy birthday, buy yourself a brand new hat or a second-hand one, just whichever suits you. Just don't go to the pub 
And if you leave the house, wear a mask. Um, I'm both excited. I know you're 18, but have your first drink at home. Don't um, risk your life. There we go. That's our birthday song. I'm both excited and scared, but mostly because it means that my time in university will start soon. Now, that is oh, exciting God, yeah. and scary. Um, but it's going to be great. It's scary. Uh, yeah. Keep on keeping on, my big damn boys. And, Watch your uh, eyes. Jack followed up, just as a reminder, with also a fuck off Google. Um... <laughs> <laughs> last one you rang <laughs> last one comes in from uh twitch regular chewy mort always chewy a, I... always a friendly uh handle not really face because well i can see the face now because i've got their email <laughs> but not on twitch, so they're just a friendly handle ah. um good evening mrs johnson and not johnson um <laughs> No relation. Uh, inspired only slightly by a certain other pop culture podcast featuring hosts of a regional dialect, please talk about your fan casts for a future Transformers properties. For instance, <laughs> as magnificent as, P- as Peter Cullen is, perhaps Matt Berry for Daddy Optimus? <laughs> Alternatively, Matt Berry quotes in a Peter Cullen impression. Gems such as Speak Priest. Oh. Yes. I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> Please, dress up as my sexy dead wife. Ray Purchase, you are the most homophobic actor in all of London. What is this? Gay for pay? I don't like to see grown men kissing toast. I don't see what the fuck it's got to do with you. Who can forget? Um... You malnourished pimp with your World War One facial hair and your sister's clothes. Sister's clothes. <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> that woman has a way with words. And some of those words really fuck me up. <laughs> Matt Berry is as as Optimus Prime. <laughs> Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. <laughs> Autobots transform and roll out. No, no, his Optimus wouldn't say that. He'd just go, bat. <laughs> just no, he wouldn't trucks. say bat. He'd say truck, truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do? A booby trap that actually catches boobies. <laughs> yes, that is a line from an episode of the that cartoon. It's that pretty fucking great. That um, is a true thing. A booby trap oh, that actually catches boobies. Um, fan casts for future Transformers. Um, I really want. Are we, are we, are I really are we want. Talking casting the 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 transformers like, i think so yeah them. eric andre Boy. as every transformer eric andre. i'd watch the shit out of that Are you kidding me it'd be amazing you have to be like no, someone it. who was super fuck fucking energetic so like davy um, diggs as every transformer davy diggs as every transformer um <laughs> can we have <laughs> Can we have Dan Harmon as bird person doing sound wave? <laughs> and what would that sound like, man? 
Ravage. Eject. <laughs> Operation. <laughs> Spying. Sure. Are we Megatron. gonna put a filter on his voice at all? Nope. Or... No, just nope. ask. <laughs> um I don't wanna let Justin Roiland anywhere near the fucking thing. Because I'm sick of no. hearing his two voices. I was gonna say, no, let him let him play. Um, <laughs> let him play Optimus and Megatron. No. So no. I'm gonna defeat no. you, Megatron. No. Hate it, hate it, hate it. We Optimus Prime. In any um, other context than Rick and Morty, when I hear Justin Rollins voice, I just go, Earl of Lemon Grab. Okay, alright, fair. fair. Yes. Fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> Can I fancast Transformers? Uh, uh, where do we want to put John DiMaggio in on the subject of Adventure Time? Who should John DiMaggio oh. be? Um, he should be a down Bender. And... Just Bender. Just Bender. He should be in like a just down Bender. and dirty Autobot, like, I don't know, like Ironhide or something. Bendertron. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. You look for the old spark. I'll look for the booze. <laughs> it's just like chugging instead. I want to fan cast it with other sentient vehicles from different franchises. All right. I think, I think that, that we should let them play. You know, All so right. Kit, Thomas the tank engine, Herbie the helicopter. Well, Brum, Thomas doesn't have a voice. Um, shut up. He will do now. He'll be voiced. By Ringo Starr. Um, Brum has got to get up in that piece. Obviously. The 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 cab from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Of course. Come on. The entire what? cast of the Pixar movie Cars. I've got to see what the cast is for that Netflix show. Because that Netflix show looks garbage. Um, Which Netflix show? There's a War for Cybertron Netflix show coming out. Oh, oh it's one. exclusive to Netflix. Yeah. Um... And they've recast everyone for it. Well, it's based on the on the recent toy line, and it just looks fucking horrible. Like it looks like they've taken C- they've just taken three D renders of the toys and just animated it with that and a bit of lighting. Oh, it looks gash. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna not... get. I'm gonna guess that Optimus is John Bailey because I know he's been doing more projects nope. now, hasn't he? They, they no? can't even afford John Bailey. Oh shit! This is Transformers. They make money. What the hell? Jake Fushi. Is Optimus Prime? I'm sure he's lovely, but I have no uh, idea who that is. <laughs> apparently, Jake he, he Fushi! Voices in, he voices him in the Cyberverse cartoon, so he's got form as Optimus, but okay. he's not really been in anything much. Um, these are, Yeah, it's like voiced almost completely with unknowns or lesser known voice actors. Like, it's not a single name on here that I recognise. Yeah. Um, what an odd gambit for them to take. It it looks it looks gash, mate. It looks gash. Um, it's really it's really upsetting. Um, send me a trailer after this. I will have a look at it. I will with my dirty eye, my um, one dirty eye. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who would be in because the problem with Optimus Prime is you want to do a voice that isn't just someone doing a Peter Cullen impression, a John Bailey. Jo- um, so <laughs> well, to be fair, that's why he was hired. Initially, I mean, yeah, wasn't it? yeah. As, as like pickup lines um, and, and coverage and stuff. And then they just like, went, we can't get Peter Cullen all the time. John Bailey, you're going to do this cartoon. Uh, um, Gary jo- yeah. Gary Chalk did a decent job as Optimus Prime or in uh, in the Beast Wars cartoon, but again, it's like. Yeah. And you just bring it back up to his primal. Like, in terms of like, if you've got a voice that can. Oh, if you're gonna go big, 
like if budget's not an option, uh, if budget's no concern. Budget is never a concern to us. Josh Brolin. He's got the gravel, the natural gravel to his Josh voice. Josh Brolin would be a better Megatron. You think? He's got an air of menace to him. He does, but I want to I hear that warmth. I want to hear that warmth that he exudes on his Instagram feed. Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Fuck Elliott. off and take my money. I'd watch the shit out... Quick, while he's still around... No, he's, have, he's, 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 too, in, he's in that Star is Born afterglow. Get Sam Elliott in. He's too old as he'd be. He'd have to be um, Cup. <laughs> you salty old veteran. Um... <laughs> All right, fair enough. I take who, that. I take who that. is enough of an absolute screamer to be Starscream? Uh, like, think of like somebody just... who, like shrill as hell. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Chris Rock, but after that monologue he gave about like animation work being super easy, I don't really want to give him any voiceover roles ever again yeah um, that's fair did you <laughs> have I have I ever showed you or lent you um uh, uh I know that voice the John DeMarco yeah we watched I documentary. think we watched it together oh in bed maybe <laughs> maybe uh cause of that brilliant bit where they they, re- they play the Chris Rock like you know piss takey monologue about voice acting being the easiest gig in the world yeah and then later on you hear it again and it eventually reveals that it's like Eric Bowser, who's like the current main Looney Tunes guy, is <laughs> the one actually performing it that time. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah. like, dude's got skill. Yeah. Um, I've seen so I've seen some of the new Looney Tunes cartoons as well. They're really good. They're on HBO Max, but some of them make down ways to the Internet for people who can't get hold of them. What? Um, that never happens. They're, they're really good. They are really, really, really good. They're like. They're like the most recent Mickey Mouse cartoons level of good. They're fucking hilarious. Um, um, worth a look-see. <laughs> I would like... I have to get John Mulaney in there, but I don't know who he'd be. He'd be like a proper Poindexter oh, character. Like, um... Now you've said that, Nick Kroll for Starscream. Oh, uh, yeah, Because dude can, dude can screech. Dude can screech. Yeah, Nick Kroll would be a decent Starscream. Who's Starscream's sort of most sort of constant companion? Like, who does Starscream tend to rely on or... Well, he has his two mates, to. Skywarp and Thundercracker, the other two Seekers, who are just, just yeah. palette swaps of him. Um, oh, great. Well, there you go. Have John Mulaney voice them. Yeah. Um, there you go. It's a big mouth, oh, hello, um, Easter egg. <laughs> uh, who else we got? Ravage shouldn't have a voice. None of the animals should have voices. I'm Can Weird Al my... voice one again? He didn't voice anyone in the thing. Not in the movie, but he's played one in a series since. Has he? Yeah, I'm sure he has. I'm oh. sure Weird Al has played a Transformers. I, cool. I'll, I'll look it up because I'm sure... Probably I'm sure Red he's... Car, then, because they used his song for the Junkion sequence in the movie. Um, so have him play Red Gar again, if you're going to do Junkions. Or have him play someone like... Have him play Jazz for a laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now you've said um, it. Hang on, yeah, Weird Al has his own page on the Transformers wiki. Well, he will, because... TF Wiki is bonkers. He's played Retgar. Yeah. TF, um, TF Wiki is and one of the, the best. And the Sumdac Systems Technician. <laughs> T, TF Wiki is one of the best wikis I've ever read because it's it's written so knowingly and so tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Like, they're not... There's no, like, sort of, oh, this is professional record-keeping and we're going to be really clear and 
analytical about this. It's like, no, this is fucking stupid. And we're going to be very clear that this is fucking stupid. Like, oh, all speaking of, thi- of. Okay. Speaking of. Weird Al, the reason why he's got a wiki page isn't just because of Dare to Be Stupid being on the soundtrack for Transformers the movie. Okay. It isn't just because he's voiced two characters in, uh, in what, what was Garbage In, Garbage Out was uh, an episode of... Transformers uh, Animated, probably. Yes, Transformers Animated. So he, yeah. he voices a wrong character in that and Rekgar in... Doesn't say which version. Probably Transformers Animated. Yeah. Um, but he also is mentioned in the Dark of the Moon novelization. <laughs> And the IDW movie comics, Bumblebee uses samples of his voice to make an argument to Sam Witwicky. Brilliant. uh, Yeah, so Weird Weird Al's in there, and I think he should play every Transformer. I probably wouldn't bring any of the movie cast back. No. Not even Frank Welker. With exception of... As much as I love Frank Welker. Just like, give give the man a rest. He's done his job. He's done his job. No, he's not. No, he's not. He'll be there forever. He's been Fred Jones for... Conroy, Kevin Con- hmm. Yes, but modulate him. Mark Hamill would also be a great star screen, but he'd just be doing the Joker again. Hamill would probably give good Megatron. To be Hamill fair. would give good Megatron, actually. Would give good Megatron. <laughs> but if you wanted to do, like, sagely Autobot, like, again, like, Cup or Alpha Trion or one of the older Autobots like Ironhide, you could go Hamill with that as well. I mean, you could, on the Hamill train, Ford wouldn't be a bad prime. Ford would be an amazing prime, but he'd be too stoned if, to know what the fuck if he, was going if on. If he gave a shit, no, if he gave a shit but was also stoned on the day, you'd get the best prime out of him. Yeah. After seeing like the, passion, as... the passion would come through the weed. You'd have to do more female characters, so like gender swap old characters, so you get more of a female casting as well. I'd definitely bring Lake Bell in. Yeah? Uh, and Ashley Johnson. Uh, I mean, fuck it, fuck it. Just, just make Prime a female voice. Like th- these guys don't have like gender in the strict. Yeah, play with know, gender fuck terminology it. sense. Just fuck it. It's just they're robots. Give them voices. Oh, there are like, different people of different genders and 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 you know identities. Voice and why not? There are more prominent female characters that have sort of been back engineered into G one through the IDU yeah. comics and stuff. So it'd be nice to see more of them pop up, like Windblade and Nautica, RC of course, Chromia, Firestar. Green light. Uh, let Bumblebee people. play a bee. Be played by a bee. Yeah, let Bumblebee be a bee. If they want Bumblebee yeah. to be a kid, he should actually be a kid. Yeah. He's having voiced by a kid. Jacob Tremblay, cryogenically Jacob... frozen and brought <laughs> out once every few months to record some dialogue and then put back in the freezer. Yeah, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Or we'll take arms. Um... <laughs> If anyone uh, tries right, to stop us, to... we'll take 13 right. arms. That wasn't. Uh, also, perhaps a fan cast for future X Men films. Will you bring in Huge What's It for Wolverine again, or is it time for someone new in that role? It's time for someone new. Uh, would you even it's have Wolverine in the short, new franchise? grumpy, and hench. I wouldn't have Wolverine in the first X Men film. The I first have new X Men film. No. I wouldn't have him in the first two. I'd go. Or if you, or if you are going to bring him in, if you are going to bring him in, you bring him in in the ultimate style. You have him be like the thing that, like. Yeah. Magneto or another villain like leaves in the swamplands that they throw out to. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. give it, give us an excuse to, to be on the wrong side of his claws and learn how dangerous he is before like I'm bringing him over to the goodies. I'd go original um, five and I'd go young. Yeah, I think we've talked about it before that we we, we, said, we have like, talked about this a bit. You 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 Luther, you Luther King and Malcolm X. It you, yeah. you make the debate more about that. You have 
Eric Glencher be a political presence in the first story he appears in it, but Magneto ain't the baddie for story one. Mm. He's he's part of the machinations of story two. You save him for story three as your like big villain for the art. Or you do a, you do like you did with the first class movie and have him and Xavier as allies initially, but with differing approaches, and then whatever. Yeah, the thing that I mean, they be, are brought to conflict by the by how the first story ends. I I don't want Xavier and 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 Lencher to be main characters though. I want Xavier to be the Dumbledore of it of it all. Yeah, yeah, the Nick Fury. But do you know what I mean? Like he's he's yeah he's there, and of course he's the reason why everything is everything. And he gets his alas earwax scene with Jean or um, <laughs> or Scott, whoever we make our main character out of those two. Do you know what I mean? You have that. Um, you make the first movie uh, a small, simple story of these kids at this school. That's you know it's it's known about but it's not really known what they do specifically yet and the enemies of the first film it's a simple scrap your first enemies are a group of kids who are being pissy and terrorizing stuff who are calling themselves the brotherhood yeah and you have the five school students be like well we're gonna stop like we'll go stop them like they're gonna ruin everything that like you know the professor wants to build and let's go and deal with it and you kind of you're essentially adapting sort of parts of x-men evolution into a film mm. harry Potter, harry potter meets x-men evolution um and you cast giancarlo esposito as magneto because fucking come on why, i saw um i watched the <laughs> go bas- stay old with those characters if you want or purposefully cast them sort of around 40 50 so you can do more with them as the films progress, but I, I don't mind. I don't mind them staying older, just so it means the younger stars and the mutants that haven't had a good focal point get more screen time in this iteration. I watched um, the Vast of Night recently on Amazon Prime. Yes, great little uh, Twilight Zoney sci-fi uh, movie. Yeah, um, and the two leads in that, uh, Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz, would be a very, very good Scott and Jean. Okay, that's um, a good shout. What's it called again? Vast of Night. The Vast of Night. Okay, I'll have to give it a good, look. Good, it's good. Spooky, spooky. Um, and you make uh, you make uh, Mojo or Arcade the villain of your second film. Yeah, all right. Because I want to see the kids right. like put through the ringer by some super maniacal like I have the money to make this happen or I have the land to make this happen. Bad guys just like I'm just gonna throw you guys into a fucking maze of death and see what happens. This will be yeah. fun. Because we've not had that before. And if you do Mojo World, you run the risk of being a bit too similar to the Contest of Champions in Ragnarok. So you yeah. need to make it different. But, uh, you know, maybe you go Mojo World more in the style of Ultimate X-Men. Uh, or like the way Deadpool kind of does a reality show version of, 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 of his mercenary shtick in the Ultimate Spider-Man game. Where it's like... Hey everybody, Deadpool TV. So I'm going to kill this kid in the blue and red jammies and uh, <laughs> you guys going to watch it. Let's go. Um, Very good. Oh, he's wearing the black jammies. I wonder why he's wearing the... Oh my God, its arms are growing. Um, so yeah. Uh, you know, you could do that. And then the third film, you, you do Magneto and that's where you whip out your Sentinels and things like that and you start to, you know, like the Sentinels should be specifically designed to take down Magneto's heavy hitters who are doing something big. Yeah. Um, that way you get them, but it's not like the MCU doesn't suddenly become a world where robots are policing children. Do you know what I mean? You can have it so that they're an obstacle designed to fight the villain, 
who the villain can then fuck around with and turn on the heroes for a set piece and you get your sentinels and you know that kind of stuff Okay. Okay. I just give me a good a... Fantastic Four movie. I just want that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want a good Fantastic yeah. Four film. Come on, please. Fucking please. Do it. Give me Doom. Give me good Doom, but save him for the sequel. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Movie Movie Bob's take. Like, I don't necessarily agree that they have to be time travel thingies, but it works. Yeah, it's I a, think good that's a good idea. Plan. It's like these guys were lost in the sixties, and it's how you can. Sort of like, and I think it'd make an interesting social commentary as well as like, um, re- reconciling 60s values with modern, uh, sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. There's the stories to be told there. Um, and tell them they shall. But we shall tell they... no more stories on this podcast because it's over. No, no, no. Well, on this episode anyway, because this episode's over. The podcast as a whole isn't over. Yeah. We're going to be back this next the... week. This is the last episode, guys, of well, this week. Yeah, it's the last yeah. episode until the next one, which will yeah. be next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, 212. 212. This week, isn't it? 212. Year of our Lord. It's the Mayan Apocalypse number. Thanks, folks, for 212 episodes. Yeah. Um, um, and we'll... Send your cake yeah. and blood tributes to uh, bigdumbcontact.gmail.com. Yep. Um, praise at the altar of Big Damn Cast on Twitter. Yeah. Um, bear witness to our glory and spray silver paint on your mouths whilst watching twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream. Witness him. And uh, yeah, and and catch all of our gunk and spunk and drunk in the chunk to uh, YouTube's Big Damn channel. That's where we send it all. Um, when people say what you're going to do with all those lumps, uh, we say we're going to get 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 you drunk, get you love drunk. Off our YouTube channel, Big Damn Channel. Um, uh, I, I need alcohol. I don't know about you. Uh, content for the content, God. That's what I say. Mr. Content must feast. Mr. Content we, hungers. We shall appease him. He starves, Matthew. He now starves. We must, we must go and fill his gaping maw. Oh, it does gape. Void, which opens in his face. This is a more podcast. Thanks, everybody.